Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and beer. I'm Ben, here with Lucy. Hi, evening. Hey, Hi. here with Adol. Hey. And here with Dave. And Sean. Hello. <laughs> and I'm going to get higher and higher and higher as me. We're joined by Dave and Sean from Pillbug Interactive once again. Hey. Hi, thanks for having us back. No problem, no problem. We've got you back because, as we talked we like about you. a few weeks ago, well, that's yeah. true, yes, <laughs> that is why we have, have it's you It's a good back. start, isn't um, it? Yeah, we've, we've got you back because the game we were discussing a few episodes ago, Making It Home, has come out in early access. Mm, that's correct. It's available yeah. for everybody to go right now and play. Yes, indeed. Everybody. Not all of it, part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's correct, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's right. a really weird thing to tell people, right? It's, it's out, <laughs> but it's not. It kind of yes, out maybe. <laughs> nice. We will get into all of that in a moment. Let's open some beers. Uh, first casualty of the evening, Lucy. Uh, your beer is still on the shelf, unfortunately. Still warm. So, yeah, mm, you're going to be smashing back the water and some tea. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. Good. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. What are you? What are you drinking oh, first this evening? Uh, okay, <laughs> well, actually, can I ask uh, the experts a question? Um, if um, I have, they're not if here. I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're my only experts. This is it. This is you guys. Because um, I've like, been trying to get up my beer game, having been on the podcast a couple of times now. So, uh, if I have a hazy pale ale, okay, and mm. a hazy raspberry sour, should I drink one of those before the other? I would say if the pale ale. Stop pale ale. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. just because the sour's gonna usually they linger, and so mm-hmm. the, your first few sips of the pale ale are gonna be um, sort of overshadowed by the, the lingering sourness. Okay. Uh, also, cool. I'm guessing the sour is more ABV, but I might be wrong. No, the pale ale is five percent, and the uh, pale, uh, the the raspberry sour is four point five. So right. it's right. Yeah, sour, they're guess. they're similar enough um, yeah. ABVs sure. that it's not sure. going to give you too much of a big hit and spoil the other one. Uh, and okay. I, yeah, I would suggest uh, uh, the pale first as well, as as Adam says. Maybe with the sour, it's just going to have that lingering flavour, which will affect anything you you have. So okay. Well, I'm I'm hoping the combination isn't some kind of unholy, you know. <laughs> Beer, no, no, but you know, no, there's no such thing, really. Yeah. Stumbling into this. Um, okay, so my first beer is an evil twin brewing, uh, more or less evil pale ale. Um, it's hazy pale ale. Uh, there's some stuff in Japanese. Uh, <laughs> there's supposed to be flavor text somewhere, right? Mm, maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe not. No, I've just got a list of stuff. List of ingredients, <laughs> no flavor text. So I don't know if this was imported or whatever, but there we are. So I will crack it open. Nice. Uh, and 
hopefully not spill anything. Uh, Sean, we'll come to you next. Um, so I don't have a beer, um, but I have a cocktail. Um, so I've made myself an old-fashioned, um, and Ooh. it's my preferred old-fashioned, which is Eagle Rare with um, a Demerara sugar cube, um, a dash of Angostura bitters, and a couple of dashes of walnut bitters, which is super nice, and then orange peel, lemon peel, and a maraschino cherry. Nice. Nice. Keeping it classic. Uh, I was say, that is my, I think, my favorite um, cocktail is an old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of a neat whiskey guy, but if I'm going to go for um, a cocktail, it tends to be that. It's it's my gaming choice for cocktail because it like it's perfect for just sipping in between matches in like Destiny because it just <laughs> it evolves over the whole night um, or an hour or so as it, it just slowly dilutes and just right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my nice. close second I think is a Negroni for similar reasons. Hmm. Hmm. what are you drinking then? Uh, so, uh, I decided this week to go into the vault, um, and by that I mean I had a couple beers that I've been meaning to drink. One is something I've had many times before, but it was in the bottle shop uh, at a reasonable price, and that's, of course, the Travis nice. Rock 4.8. It's a, one of my favorite beers, if not mm. my favorite beer, so, um, but it... I think it'll pair well with the other one is why I went for that versus something else. But it is a uh, Trappist um, beer. It is uh, it is a lovely 9.2%. Uh, if you've never had it, get it. Try it. Um, I think so they have the 6, 8, and 10 reasonably readily available. Uh, and the 10 is a triple and much, much stronger. Or is it a quadruple? No, I think it's a triple. No, it's a triple, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I prefer, even though why these Trappist beers are quite good is because they're these like quite boozy, malty, um, wonderful beers. Uh, I actually think that the balance of the eight is the, is, is the perfection. Um, but yes, so I'll crack this. And, nice. Uh, we'll go to you, Ben. Oh, that nose. Fuck, I love this beer. Sorry. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a good beer. Um, I went on a little adventure um, a couple of days ago. And um, I was going to crack some very different beers, but I ended up down in Devon for a couple of days and just happened across a, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a farm sort of shop uh, where they were selling loads and loads of sort of local produce uh, and they had a bunch of craft beer. So the first one I'm going to drink is from Utopian. It's their Mm. Vienna Keller Lager. It's 4.8%. Utopian are... From, I imagine it's Devon. It is Devon from Bow. <laughs> there we go. Um, it's got an EX postcode, Exeter-ish sort of way, I guess. Uh, they do have flavour text. Vienna Lager was a revelation when it was first brewed in the mid 19th century, combining Bavarian brewing techniques with a paler British style malts. A once nearly forgotten style, our Vienna Keller Lager pays homage to the those early beers. We use a traditional. Uh, decoction mash with British grown Vienna and Munich malts, leading to the beer depth and complexity. A slow, cold fermentation followed by five weeks of lagering has resulted in a beer which is as easy drinking as it is flavourful. And then some bits about some bits that I'll decide for myself. Thank you, beer flavour text. <laughs> 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 we shall see. Uh, Dave, we'll come back to yes. you. 
Okay, so I got, this is the bit I get to drink it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I've been holding. Drink it away. Drink all of it in one go if you like. Yeah, pound that. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> These days. Um, okay, so it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's a pale ale. It's um, a bit hoppier. Like I think last time I was on the show, I was like, I just drink ambers because they've got no flavour, and I, which is basically what I want. Um, this is obviously a pale ale with a, a lot more going on. It's not as citrusy as um, many pale ales. Obviously, it's not uh, screaming at me about various fruits that I wouldn't eat otherwise. Um, <laughs> but uh, it has a nice, uh, a nice kind of aftertaste. It leaves, leaves, uh, you know, keeps it going after the party starts. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I will come back with a more in-depth analysis, I think, once I get into it. Nice, nice. Uh, Sean, you've kind of given us your rundown of your old-fashioned and why it's your sort of preferred uh, drink when you're gaming. Um, Is that... Is it something you kind of lean to every time you're sort of playing Destiny? Is Destiny kind of, you know, a nice evening game for you where you could spend a couple of hours, have a couple of drinks with... Yeah, it is. And, like, and... Yeah, Negroni would be another choice of something on ice that just kind of evolves as you drink it. Mm. Because, like, what's so great about these drinks is, like, when you first drink them, they're really kind of hot and spot. Like, you know, you get that kind of alcohol kick. Oh, it's just so good. It's just so yeah. good. Like, <laughs> it's kind of, it's like sweet and bitter and spicy all at once. And Oh, it just, oh, just so I, like I know this is a rubbish flavor description, but it's just good. <laughs> it's <laughs> great. Like, I love it. Like you can I'll never have us on again. <laughs> um, like having the like uh, you know the orange and the lemon peel is just like on your nose, and, and you just get that kind of freshness from that. Um, oh, it's just the spiciness from the bourbon, um, the Angostura bitters kind of just nicely warming it up kind of in the background and then the thing I really like about walnut bitters is it reminds me of home because we had a walnut tree and so it's like nice. at the end you kind of get that walnut kind of like note and it just reminds me of walking out in the you know in my gut you know like the where the walnut tree was where all the walnuts are kind of lying around on the floor and and yeah just super nice just just like happy warm just niceness good good Enjoy it, sir. Uh, Adel, we'll come to you again. So, I mean, as I as I exhaled of uh, having cracked the beer, um, the nose is great on this. It's not too boozy. It's a little. It's it's got that lovely multi sweetness that you get on these Belgian ales. Mm. No, you can see this thick, rich, dark brown, um, and with a quite a thick head. Like you'll notice as I rotate it. For those of you on on the video players, uh, it's just. It, I had a poor port, I'll be honest, and it, the head kind of was most of the glass, uh, but it's slowly faded, but you still have this, like, full finger just lingering, which um, mm. helps just promote that nose. Um, God, it's a good beer. Um, <laughs> what's great about this beer, I mean, I don't even know what to say. If you, it's just got all the hallmarks of a Belgian ale. Um, it's got that sweetness and those light roasted malty flavor um, in lingering in the background but you've got this boozy sweetness to sitting on top of it that just makes the two really bl- and the two are really well blent together it's just a really solid um, beer that 
despite sort of feeling boisterous and full, um, it doesn't come off as, oh, this is going to knock me on my ass. Like, it feels kind of like a strong beer, but doesn't taste like one, if that makes sense. Like, it's got all mm-hmm. these strong notes, but it doesn't feel like, oh, this is real boozy, because everything is well-melded. So it just feels like, oh, this is really strong sort of taste-wise. Though part of the reason of that is that it, that it's got this 8.2%. Um, uh, again, I think what, what what works really well with this is is that, and like harkening back to what I was saying earlier about the ten, um, the ten is boozier, and it that overpowers sort of it off balances that malty, slightly roasted um, back end, um, and this one just does. They're they're both just sort of there. They're twinned together. Uh, they both sort of fade at the same point. It's like it, it's this lovely. Uh, taste curve of both the booziness and the maltiness and the sweetness. That's right, both of those three things um, <laughs> going together in such a really great way. Um, it's even though it's a darker, heavy beer, it's a thing I would gladly have in a park because I love the taste so much, even at the height of summer. Like I just, it's great beer. Get beer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those beers, and not um, when you kind of go into a bottle shop it's probably there somewhere almost every bottle shop will stock this beer um, but it's probably off with the Belgian beers or off with the yeah. bottled beers you know a lot of bottle shops now pushing their uh, fridges and cans kind of more yeah. towards the front of shop um, I remember there was a bottle shop uh, that opened in fish ponds for about Six months, yeah, nine months, that. something like that. Yeah. Um, who specialised in German and, and Belgian beers, and the the Rot Four Eight was just on in my bag every time I went in. Because um, they had it for a good price. Yeah, they really did. Mm. Um, it's it's just such good. And I I agree with you that the eight is the is the best one. Yeah. Um, coming back to this Utopian then. Uh, it's it's very dark, it's very copper in colour, a uh, little translucent, almost no head to it at all. Uh, but it's got a lovely, lovely malty nose, um, very bready with a little hint of sweetness, and you get a lot of that in the flavour as well. So, kind of that bready malty sweetness just runs on for a while. There's not a huge amount uh, of other things going on. You're kind of presented with this this flavour which just lasts and sits for a while, a little bit of bitterness creeps in sort of towards the back end, but it's just a nice combination of slightly bready, fuller, rich malts with a lovely sweet hint to it. Um, It'd be interesting to know what hops have gone into this because they've definitely taken a back seat and allowing all of those sort of uh, malts to kick forward. And even though it's a lager, for anyone that kind of doesn't drink around kind of craft lagers and stuff, it doesn't sort of present itself as a you know as a standard lager that you buy in the pub would. It's got a richness to it. It doesn't have that kind of dank, weedy sort of smell. Mm. It's not crisp. It is carbonated, but it's not crisp, and it's not sort of that super refreshing crisp taste you get from a lager it's much more delicate than that so it's a little bit of carbonation uh, but that just lifts all of those flavors you know that bready maltiness that sweetness it kind of is just lifted by that carbonation and just lasts 
for a long time, leaving a slight bitterness towards the end. So really, really nice and very, very drinkable at like 4.5 or 4.8%. Um, too easy. All these beers are just too easy to drink. It's dangerous. It is. Absolutely is. We'll enjoy these and we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat, I think, first about making it home, shall we, Dave and Sean? Uh, the game is, is released, mm -hmm. sort of. <laughs> How was it? How was it, Sean? How was it, Dave? How was it? It was good. It was. It was. It was good. It's like such a like. I knew you were going to ask that question, and I was like, <laughs> "What am I going to say?" Um, it was. It was good. Like it. It. it, it it's such a hard. Yeah, it's such a hard question to ask. Um, the, the response was was really positive. Like we today, we've had two kind of um, reviews, I guess. Mm -hmm. So the game's in early access. So like the, like some people have have done <clears throat> kind of some written reviews on it, mm -hmm. like not just Steam reviews, um, and some video reviews and stuff, um, which has been really good. Like it's been really positive actually. Like people seem to get it. Like and and that, you know, I'm pretty chuffed that that happened. Um, and then the kind of how did it go in terms of like stuff like the thing that we think about obviously is sales and things and and, and we got lots of wish lists which was our mm. aim and we got a decent number of sales too um nice. so like i feel like i feel like it went better than our last game in terms of a launch and this is early okay. access which nice which steam steam doesn't actually give you much in the in way of visibility when you're in early access right so early access games have to do really well to even appear anywhere on the store um and we got like I think we did well. That that's kind of the yeah. like I'm t it it's like t I think we're a week out, two weeks out mm. from launch. Mm -hmm. Um so we're both kind of still a bit tired and <laughs> like post launch. But it, it was good. It it was it, it it's always intense launching a game and like but like I really enjoy it when people get it in their hands and play it. And and that people respond to it in a good way, I think is is really yeah. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would echo all of that. <clears throat> I think the um, the thing that's always for us, obviously, there's two big things: is uh, how are people responding? How do we get a sense of people who are getting to grips with it and are willing to give us their feedback, whether it's on, you know, a YouTube Let's Play, whether they're streaming, or whether it's our Discord community. You know, what what are people saying? Um, and taking the time to say it. Like, I think obviously you know there are more people you know we're always talking about conversion rates and getting you know numbers to numbers to numbers and you know the number of people who are willing to take their time to not just play the game but also to tell us what they think you know provide feedback but also record videos you know i am i continue to be in awe of that you know like in my other walks of life it's hard enough getting people to give like amazon reviews or star ratings on something so when someone takes the time to record a video even if it's something they're doing all the time because you know they're youtubers or whatever um about our game like that still like floors me every time that that, that that's uh, what someone's willing to do so we we've had some great stuff we've had people doing series as well for making it oh, home which nice. I, which has been great like i know we did have that with intelligent design but cycle 28 wasn't necessarily quite the same kind of series uh, encouraging game because mm -hmm. you can just like pop in and pop out um whereas you know there's something a bit more about building something through with making it home so like some s series have come out so that's really exciting to see not just a kind of 
you know a quick you know 10 minute review you know intro conclusion kind of format but also just someone taking that time with the game and showing people like how deep you can go with it and i think that's um that's been you know hugely gratifying as well for anyone who didn't um catch our last episode and hasn't heard um you guys talk about the game before uh, can you give us a little synopsis on what mm -hmm. you're actually doing and then maybe we can get into some chat about that and our experiences yeah. with it so uh, making a home is a vehicle building game uh, where you're a ladybug married to a chain smoking crab <laughs> um, <laughs> and so which is kind of like it's it that that's the way i've i've kind of started explaining it to people now because it captures both sides of the game which I think, which I think, one thing that's been quite gratifying watching the reviews and stuff is that, like, people say, people will say, like, "Hey, our game's weird," <laughs> all the time, <laughs> and like, I feel this is the first time we've earned that, and people <laughs> really feel like this is weird, and 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 I, and I think you know, you know, shout out to Dave and writing and everything, and and like has done a really good job of, of the story, and. It's just bizarre, and like, I didn't realize how bizarre it was until someone was streaming the game and was like, "Yeah, you're a ladybug, but you got to eat these carrots." And then, at some <laughs> point, we had a conversation where you were getting attacked by carrots, and that made sense to us. <laughs> and like, yeah. and it wasn't until like, "Oh yeah, no, that is kind of weird." <laughs> and the carrots <laughs> like like four times the size of you, right? Like the carrots, yeah. and you know, and you can eat seven of them at once. Yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's also very true. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so to get so it's a it's a vehicle building game at its core. It's about building a vehicle, designing a vehicle, optimizing this vehicle, and traveling across America. And like, it's about discovery and experimentation, which I think a lot of our games have always been about. Like, in the core is that kind of discovery and experimentation. Um, that's in it in a nutshell. If you like that kind of optimization, playing around, finding stuff, then yeah, yeah. Did I miss I, anything, I, Dave? I, mm -hmm. Sorry. No, I mean, all I'd add to that is that expect some degree of platforming because that's something that like a lot of people have, you know, because when you, you say vehicle building, you say mm -hmm. systems management, like you could be thinking of something a bit more like a factory or whatever. Um, or even like what you always say, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, right, is like a yeah. really mm -hmm. good touchstone for us for this particular game. Um uh, which doesn't involve platforming at all, really, like in the same way that we do on a 2D platformer. Um, so that's something that I think sometimes catches people a bit by surprise about the game. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe we'll get into that in a sec. But yeah, there is like if you like bouncing around mm. this kind of rude Goldberg machine that you, we make you make, you know, then you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, yeah, maybe just <laughs> um, just for, for those, again, uh, who aren't quite familiar, I mean, there's like um, sort of conversational stops. So you basically start in L.A. and you're heading to Vegas, yeah? Yes. Um, and at each stop, you can pick up – there's sort of branching paths. You can go one of various routes below. Um, uh, but there's like – at each stop, there's some dialogue tree options for plot reasons. But the fundamental sort of loop of the game is before you set up on the next leg, you have enough money and – you have like a planning blueprint view of your vehicle and there's like the one car you need which is your sort of office and then you can add uh, sort of 
cars to the or platforms essentially to the right of it um and you stack those up and then you can add up to what eight things boxes on top of those sort of platforms when you start out with like a sales so you're like oh i'll just make five sales all the way up and then that will you know the wind will propel me and then as you go along you unlock different contraptions that you can put on these stacks and and so that's the vehicle building loop and the and the discovery mm-hmm. is how do i best interact between these things um and what i found really uh, gratifying is like for example if you have 17 sails every so often a sail will just unfurl and you'll have to bounce jump around and so part of your planning has to be how do i get to all the bits quick enough so that i can refurl is that a word it is now, or is it just? Furl? <laughs> is it re? Is it, if you unfurl a sail, well, mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Then it, it becomes furled. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. you make the sail pull catch it down. wind again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have to be able to get to all the spots in a reasonable amount of time. And then there's things like the turbine, which is like a propeller that, um, however many generators are attached, will sort of as it spins. Um, generate electricity but you also have to like in your basically you're having loops of maintenance and all your bits i guess is mm-hmm. what i was trying mm-hmm. to explain it's, so those. i was playing a lot of um sea of thieves when we were kind of designing the game and, and that's there's a lot of sea of thieves in the game like the idea of you're managing like i didn't know like i couldn't think of well we couldn't figure out what this genre is but it's like the genre of game where you're a thing in a vehicle managing that vehicle so like Farlone Sales, like Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, mm, right. like Sea of Thieves, like it's it's that feeling of like I'm actually in this thing that's moving. Which is weirdly odd. Like not that many games have that feeling. It's, yeah, it's like it's like journeying in cog management where you're a cog in in the mm-hmm. contraption and you might have to switch between which cog you have to in- influence. But the movement is like it's not just I'm now jumping between things. Um, it's I'm jumping w- between things to make sure we get from point A to point B. So mm-hmm. I'm going to call it journey cog management. Or <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll st- we'll have that. Thanks. Very <laughs> <much>. <laughs> I think that's been um, uh, definitely part of its charm. And going back and redoing levels to try and get more stars, um, which you get for either. Um, hitting a certain speed or how quickly you get through the level and various uh, bonus objectives in different stages. But I've enjoyed kind of trying to get that optimization on sort of the vehicle and knowing that kind of this is my route kind of through it, that I can hit a couple of cells, I can clean a solar panel, I can then jump up Mm -hmm. and hit a bellows in a second, then hit another couple of cells, then go up and hit a propeller and bounce myself across or use a cannon or use a catapult there's, there's so many different contraptions sort of within this which only then expanded within act two as well which is available as part of the um early access uh and it it, it didn't ever get to a point which i was quite glad about where i felt um what's the word i'm looking for where it got a bit too much. It never felt that there were too many things to try and do. I was, I always got to a point where I'm like, right, these are the things I like to use. 
the, you know, the same with something like when you did Cycle 28, where you can have a couple of combinations of weapons, and people will tend to go to the things that they like to use, mm -hmm. rather yeah. than maybe just going, right, this is just the most powerful option. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you'll definitely get a lot of that within this, that it, it will tailor very much to kind of how people want to play. Um, and going back to a bit of that platforming element as well, kind of that would play into it as well, how you stack up through kind of the, the vehicle and move across it to be able to get to different heights on some very unforgiving tree-based levels as well, um, which for people can um, discover when they play. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it, it, it definitely makes you think about... I mean, you can't ignore that platforming element. You kind of you have to take that into consideration as well as you're you're building things. And whether you put in a floor where there doesn't kind of need to be one on one of the uh, one of the items, mm -hmm. because you just need that extra step to kind of get somewhere or something. It's definitely been kind of fun to just mess around with it and go right. I hit 15 miles an hour as my you know. Uh, average again. speed I, I i need to just it needs to be more it's only two stars how do i get three stars what speed do i need to get to let's just throw a bunch of sails on or let's now add this in let's swap this out let's do this i think you can spend a lot of time in that what, yeah and i think what i like is the balance between like uh, full confession i only got to play a couple of runs but what i liked was the balance between like what i want to experience experiment more with the balance between the platforming in the design so mm -hmm. obviously like things like the bellows it's like smack it and then um you know wait for it to come back but things like the turbine and the propeller like when i was eating carrots with the attack charge i realized oh that just goes straight through at a speed uh and i was consistently having a problem because my uh platforming skills are subpar these days um <laughs> of just like Hitting, trying to get the propeller or the turbine go. Well, first it was just the turbine going uh, quick enough, and then like when I'm trying to like just accelerate it more, hitting the middle and then just sort of stopping it. And also because mm, yeah. if you hold um, jump or whatever, you'll cling to a surface, which is a really mm. good quality of life thing when you're trying to get things off of the like jumping off to get a coin and then zooming back and being able to know that I'll just stick to a thing. Great, but in, in, with the t turbine, it's like. Well, now I've just stopped it, and I'm stuck to it. And if I let go, it's now, like, straight up and down, and now there's no way for me to easily dodge, and what have I done to myself? Um, but discovering that, like, once I had to start using the eat-the-carrots attack to eat the carrots, um, it was like, oh, I can kind of spin the turbine that way. Um, and actually, if I put a turbine and a propeller next to each other, because the propeller just is free speed if you go through it, if I'm just trying to spin the turbine, I can just sort of jump after propeller, hit the attack boat, and spin both, mm -hmm. and end after them. And that's just like a, that. That's what really easy to do on a loop of like checking on sails, etc. It's like the propeller is going to spin for a bit and give me free energy, but I'm getting that turbine, uh, and I'm getting it sort of at a consistent height because I can choose when to like that much control I have a platforming. So like I'm not going to mm -hmm. hit now charge because it's basically like a flying leap vertically mm. or yeah sorry at a vertical level you go horizontally for a stretch of time 
So yeah. you can then it's, it's one like, of those things we kind of added as an attack, and then it was like, oh, there's like hundreds of other uses for this. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then and we just was, lent into it, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it was like cool. So now I know I won't. If as long as I like, I see I'm at height, you know, right at the top of the propeller, I can just hit that button and know I won't mess it up because of the parabola of my jump. Because I'll just mm-hmm. go right through the spinner at the right height, and that makes yeah. it so much easier for me to do. And then I realized I could stack them with a couple of things. And I was like, cool, I feel like I'm getting a feel for this game. Mm. But also why it's not just get the perfect design because you have to balance your platforming and that, but also your skills in platforming and that. So it's like no Mm. one person's perfect machine will be the same because it sort of leans on what do you want to do, what can you do, and then the general like min-maxing of how do I, what devices are best to do these things. But because of Mm -hmm. the other two, I, like I don't think there's like gonna be an optimal build out there in any sort of fashion because some people just platform differently or have different skill sets and that matters way more than oh actually if you have 17 million sales it turns out you just win the game or like those things that some mm-hmm. people often try and look t- to exploit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was 100% enough for like at the front of our minds where we were thinking about. Uh, once we'd realized like platforming was going to be part of the game, like we just wanted to lean into that as much as possible, um, not just with um, the designing. Uh, so, like one of the big things I think we talked about it last time we were on was opening up that ability to put the walls and ceilings wherever you wanted on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like, so you get to decide what the shape of your platforming is going to be like. Like, if you love wall jumping you know go nuts you can kind of do all your columns up and yeah. never even have any horizontal surfaces in you know your vehicle apart from the the very bottom floor um and what we re- quickly realized was that that puts you know the skill ceiling very very high like mm-hmm. because you know like you adult i am terrible at platforming anybody watch me play my own game sees how bad i am at platforming um, but it just means that even though I know good designs and I know good synergies, I will miss coins. I won't be great with carrots. I will, like our other obstacles will cause me problems. I'll miss balloons on the top of bridges. Yeah, yada yada. Because I'm just not great at platforming. So mm. you know, and that that I think. But once you add in things like, and this is Sean's department more than mine, but the like the attacks and the timing of that and how it interrupts the jump you can actually even even someone like me can start to see ha huh, you know there are ways of mm. upskilling for this so the attack I don't, have any of you played celeste yes yeah yeah so the attack is the attack is the dash from celeste right mm. yeah that makes sense so that's where that came from like celeste actually like i played a hell of a lot of celeste so so like i think i said for psych 28 i was like I, so I I played like loads of um, lift browsers, and then I was like, <laughs> "What? Why does this work? Like, what is it about this? What's right. the?" I, and I'm there with a notepad trying to figure out what the kind of like, why does this feel like this? And so I did the same with Celeste, and which you know, like I stole a bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> but but it, yeah, so that that oh, is totally from oh, from, from that. Yeah. Um, yes. The thing that like you were saying, Dave, about the skill ceiling. So one of the panels is a solar panel, and you have to wash it right so so you had to because when we first kind of were coming up with like these i think solar panels and sails were the two things that we we kind of had to start with we were like this idea of like okay these are the two main things we're going to design we need them to feel different and so like so like sails you just click a button and you you unfurl your sails 
Um, Phil, you said. Um, and then there's <laughs> the, the cleaning. I've ruined the word for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so originally, like solar panels, you just click on them and you, you get a clean solar panel. And over time, they get dirty. But then we're like, well, that's the same interaction. That's the same thing you're doing. So they don't feel different. So the, what, what you do is you hold down the action button and you kind of like walk from side to side as you're scrubbing the solar panel. So in our mind, you always need a floor on your solar panel, right? Because you need the floor to walk along right. and yeah. clean. One of the people in our Discord managed to clean a solar panel with no floor. It was like I a mini challenge know. he set himself, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, do, oh man, I want to know how that works now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that bum wiggle on that ladybug is is probably my my crowning achievement you know writing schmiting <laughs> i i animated that bum wiggle on the ladybug and that's that's the bit of the game i'm happiest about amazing so everyone builds solar panels just to clean them and see that wiggle <laughs> yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. nice um i was gonna say thing i can't remember um so uh, we'll lean into the writing a little bit then Oh, no. Um <laughs> I I suppose I didn't have um a kind of any notion about kind of actually what the story was in playing through the beta and stuff and it kind of you know very well explains itself to you and kind of uh, uh lets you uncover this story through the interactions in between the stops between the characters but there's definitely a moment where I'm like, not as all as it seems. This is mm-hmm. actually very from the guys who did Cycle Twenty Eight. Really different. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I just wonder, like, obviously, yes, you, we've you know you spoke previously, kind of about like the ARG and stuff of, of previous games and all those sorts of things. But what made you kind of take this in a in a, in a slightly not a different direction, but to have this kind of undercurrent of this story kind of masked by something else, I suppose. I I mean, I, I will answer, but really it's actually kind of Sean um, as much as anything leading on this as me, because this is just what Pillbug games do. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, what they appear... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Adol had it right away. Um, that they appear to be one thing on the surface, and the dig, the deeper you go, we want you to find something beyond that, beyond the surface. To um, and in you know, like you say, in Cycle Twenty Eight, there was the ARG element. I mean, that's kind of true of intelligent design as well. But in fairness, I think Sean, it's probably even deeper. Like it's even yeah, more buried. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would design. say it's 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 really buried inside. Like. I'm so like one of my one of my favorite one of my like biggest achievements as kind of a, a game designer I think is a negative review we had for intelligent design <laughs> where he's it's the one person who actually gets it and and, and he left a negative review and it was <laughs> like yeah you get it you actually like finally someone gets what I was trying to say with this game and yeah I'm he happy didn't like it. Um, but he didn't but he didn't like it he didn't like the game, but he, he was like, like, but there's this thing, and I found these things, and it, se- it seems like this has this going on. Is that what's going on? I'm like, yes, that is what's going on. Uh, and and, and what, then what I was like, yeah, that probably would annoy you. <laughs> that so probably what, is an annoying thing to find out. Fair enough. One, th- like, yeah, one thing we're trying to work on as game developers is telling players when they have got it. Yeah. Like, right. mm-hmm. like, you've got it. Like, <laughs> good, good job. Right, so <laughs> like rewarding the 
the the digging rather than hoping that they like it and haven't holding a shovel for long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That or seems like a really tough hit, balance. Telling them they've hit the bottom and they can stop digging, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. is a, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, because <laughs> Psycho Twenty Eight was just nuts. Like, it was like people were looking into every video we did of like, he looked down. At the 43 seconds into this video, he looked at the floor. That means oh, something. That's right? amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, well, there was like did. bugs. They 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 found like bugs, and, and they they were like, that means something. look. There's a typo in this particular sentence. Mm. That must oh, be. No. That um, must actually, be actually, so I haven't kept track. What is the status of Cycle 28 and its uh, um, unfound, or is everything discovered now? Well, we had a so we run a golden ticket thing um, for uh, every Pillbug game ever to the person who solved the ARG of um, Cycle Twenty Eight, uh, and that was one. What is it like four, five months into launch? I think it might be that quick. I must have six just months. Six months. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So six, you know, you're right. It was six months. Six months after, to the point where we were starting to worry that no one was going to get it because obviously people's interests go elsewhere and yada 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 so no someone did uh, a guy in australia nice um he uh kind of gave us the you know the explanation emailed us how he did it and uh he helped some of the discord stuff very i was very impressed with how he handled that because he was helpful Mm. without being like this is what you've got to do right Mm -hmm. Um, oh that's great i I, yeah i mean that sounds like exactly what you want is someone who's like Mm -hmm. hey i get that the whole reason why people are doing this is because there isn't a walkthrough, but some people need hints. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like yeah. so exactly. much of the internet is about, no, just do this. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, everyone will do this, but they don't get the magic. Like The magic is a struggle. God, I sound mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. look, with philosophy PhD, big hair, big beard, mm-hmm. high idea. the struggle is the journey. <laughs> the end point isn't. <laughs> Call me a dill pack. No. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but that, that's really good to hear. Um, mm-hmm. I must have yes. just missed that um, on, on my window of, of, of tracking cycle twenty eight because I, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was it was solved. Yes, mm-hmm. and as Sean reminded me the other day, when uh, when uh, I think the, the fellow in in uh, Australia did solve it, we then sent t shirts to mm. not just him but also the four other most helpful people on our yeah yeah we did we 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 kind of kept a track of who was really because it was a group effort like i think what we really like we we did the golden ticket thing and then we designed we deliberately designed it so that you kind of had to work with people internationally oh wasn't it like you had to yes yeah yeah so like you there there was a there was a requirement for you to talk to people in other countries um and so like then we're like hang on but we're only rewarding one person and clearly they're doing this together and we designed it so that people were doing it together um so we felt a bit like oh what's going to happen when they all decide who's if they discover it together who's going to be the person to email us yeah like um did we send ben a t-shirt like i feel bad like because ben was quite helpful and we didn't maybe we'll send you a t-shirt ben (laughs) <laughs> I feel like we should have. I feel yeah. like we should have because I think, were, I think we should have, have everyone that wrote had a notepad next to them when they were playing Cycle Eight for their <laughs> T-shirt. I th- did. Didn't Ben join a library just to to check the? You know, uh, I did. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. yeah so I, I can't remember. What was this like? Two years ago now, roughly. Yeah. Um, yeah there was some theories running around about. 
um, some of the graphics in the game representing novels, and then everyone was looking into novelists' work, and we were trying to find similar titles and similar uh, front covers for things, and then there was children's books that looked like it, but it wasn't those, and then there's sci-fi novels, and there's, then there was a load of stuff about the the poem that's in it as well, and trying to work out different pages of compendiums of their work, and uh, fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous Glorious. thing to put your time into. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I think it's, had a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's good fun. to have that, like, that extra element to it, that additional kind of uh, puzzle to it. Um, especially, I, I suppose, and that's the kind of the, the difference maybe, uh, um, or at least from my kind of reading of uh, going from Cycle 28 to Making It Home, in that Cycle 28 kind of presented a little bit of story in, in snapshots, and you kind of got little bits to, to go on. Whereas making it home, you know, you're having conversations. You are actively participating in uncovering the story rather than it kind of being given to you uh, and being able to kind of um, change up your conversation. So I know when I was doing a run, I would say, right, I've spoken to this person. I think I picked this this time. So let's see what they tell me or what how this conversation goes. If I pick a different answer, what happens if I just don't? talk to them how you know how does that actually affect my run does talking to them uh, take up time does that affect how mm -hmm. long things are going on there's loads of stuff that kind of build into the game more so than it kind of did with cycle 28 to try and get you through sort of a, a run and um i don't know how far through on your on your runs you got adult but i think i got through to the end um got to the last level, I'm like, oh, Act 2 only opens after I've got so many stars. How how am I going to do this? And then realising that actually all of the stages cumulatively get me to that point. Uh, and then you go, right, I'll just do everything now. I'll just do every single stage. Right, I've had this conversation. I don't need to have this one. I don't need to do this. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kind of yeah. almost then speedrunning through various sections of it. But then thinking, oh no... What if I? What if the conversation the there thing? had a slightly different answer, and I've missed something, and now I have to go back? And I mean, do more. I I basically had that, but in a paralytical mode. But that was. I mean, I have my own hangups. That was the tail end of my. It, it was like right in the last year of my PhD, uh, and I didn't need more anxiety over missed things, and so that's actually one of like one of the reasons why I didn't play that game sort of after the first burst was it was kind of like I really want to do this well oh god it seems like there's so many things I need to balance and in that frame of mind not great but <laughs> I think that's okay like I, I don't think yeah. one needs to change the design of a game for PhD anxiety on <laughs> things um, but yeah so I definitely like I, I got to that point that you mentioned where it's like okay I got through the loops I got through act one I see where this is going, but also I just, personal reasons, will find something else to do. And that was <laughs> avoiding working on my PhD for other reasons than video games. Which ultimately, <laughs> now that I look back on it, I should have just played games. <laughs> Probably. Fair. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm just going to rinse my glass. Uh, how is everyone doing for drinks, actually? Uh, I can probably go for another one, I think. Yeah, cool. Why don't we... Off. 
do that, and just don't yeah. start with me, so I can rinse the one glass I brought mm-hmm. up because uh, I don't know environment slash. I'm just spoiled by sink and background. You do that. I'm uh, gonna yeah. I'm gonna need to go construct a drink if that's Ooh. if that's not yeah, rude. Of course, of course. Go, okay, so. Sean. Uh, we'll come to I'll you, Dave. We'll come to you, Dave. Yes. Whilst you're uh, yeah. So I I did say I was gonna give a little bit more. <sighs> I mean. It's it's kind of eased a little bit, but certainly when I started drinking it again, because I'm not much of a pale ale or an IPA or an EPA drinker, mm. uh, it was quite sharp. It was it was yeah. perhaps a little more in um, my face than I necessarily wanted it to be to begin with. Um, but it's eased a little bit, obviously, as my palate's got a little bit more used to it. I am very much looking forward to getting to the next beer, though, yeah. because I've drunk you know I've had it before. This is the first time I've had that. Uh, evil, um, evil twin. Evil yeah. twin. Yeah, uh, that's the first time I had that. So, um, you know, it's nice. As I said, not too citrusy because uh, again, that would probably be too much for me. Um, but even so, it was a bit sharp. But eased in, into it. Nice. So yeah. I will um, talk about my second beer. Right. That's um, this stage. Yep. Cool. Um, <laughs> okay. So it is a. Florida Vice, is that how you say that? Like yeah. Vice? Vice, yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent, good start. Actually, it's it's uh, we is. Uh, <laughs> 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 you have to really hiss your way through it. Um, and this is a hazy raspberry sour. It's 4.5% from Thornbridge. Okay. Has it got any flavor text? We've got any flavor text. No. Um, so fail on flavor text again. Oh no! Wait, 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 wait. Here it is. Nope. Florida Vice uh, is our hazy and refreshing fruit sour that is bracingly tart. It pours with a pinkish hue and is absolutely brimming with the flavor of fresh raspberries. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I should finish this one first. I don't think I've actually had that, I even though it's been around for a little while. Yeah. When you when you when you say you you, well, you you said you had it before, Dave. Yes. What has what has made you go back to it? Um, that's a good question. I don't have a local, uh, a really local bottle shop in the park Cardiff I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am at the moment, obviously, given what we're going through. Uh, a little locked into my test well, well, what my Tesco has yeah. so but um, inspired by you guys I've upped my game with what I will like take from that selection I've had uh, I've got I've had a stout I never had a stout before oh, in my wow. life really even um, a Guinness um, no wow. I no, I still haven't had a Guinness what? it, it, it all what? just looked scary what um, <laughs> what stout did you pick do you remember Downstairs, it's um, it, it's fine if you don't like like no pressure. I was just curious if you were called. It's uh it's it's again it's a can because I I do that four for six quid what right, yeah, yeah. offer in Tesco so um and it's uh it's a very black can it's uh not is, the, is it the magic one. is it the magic rock one Ooh, it could be the dark arts dark arts hmm. dark arts it is yes it is the dark arts yes there we go we are experts so. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you guys do know your stuff. We you know our high street uh, uh, <laughs> beers. 
that's it. Like I was, I'm to be honest, Lucy, I was a little like concerned that bringing Tesco-related stuff would not go down well, but I didn't get pilloried <laughs> for we do it when I brought time. a couple of ambers. So needs yeah. must, you know. Exactly. Especially now. But I'm there is a really nice bottle shop uh, or slightly on the other side of the city centre from us that I'm really looking forward to getting into them uh, once like lockdown is eased a little bit because in Wales it's still a little bit tight yeah. mm. um, on unnecessary journeys. So um, although this does feel like a necessary journey. I mean journey, it absolutely is. The bottle shop is definitely a necessary journey. <laughs> uh, and I will definitely be taking the uh, uh, Trappist is it Trappist 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 Trappist, Trappist. yeah thank you Bombirian. um and <laughs> uh, taking that recommendation to when I do finally get to that bottle shop because as you said I'm sure they have it yeah um, so that's my second bit and it's pouring and uh, I'll pass over to nice uh, Adol what have you got next me yeah so this is this is the beer that I've been sitting on for a bit um Got it earlier in lockdown. It's a it's the windswept swept brewing Wolf of Glenmoray. Uh, it is a uh, dark Scottish ale aged in Glenmoray whiskey cask. It matured in a freshly emptied bourbon cask used by Glenmoray to create its Elgin classic whiskey. The Wolf has matured with whiskey notes, enriching the dark chocolate and licorice flavors, giving it a long warm finish. Uh, and it is a spry 9.2%. Uh, nice. and it is like fully like scotch. Gotta peel the, Ooh. the top off of the thing that covers. Oh, that's really disappointing. So it has a pull tab that doesn't actually pop the thing, the like wax or whatever coating that <laughs> protects the like. It, it literally just for show. I still need to crack through the coating as oh. I use the bottle opener. But no. um, it's been a while since I've had a whiskey aged beer. Um, mm. Yeah, I've not had one for ages. Yeah, I mean they. I say ages, Christmas sort of time maybe. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, feels like a long time. That's ago. fucking. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the before times, sir. That is. <laughs> it could have been seventeen years. <laughs> Oh wait! Nice. Um, you you're pouring. You're pouring. I'm going to open a beer as well. Um, so again, from the same little farm shop, um, leaning into Somerset for my beer, I've gone with Electric Bear Brewing Company. Uh, it's Word, which is an American Pale Ale. It's four point two percent. They have almost well, they've got no flavour text uh, at all. Just a nice can. That is a pretty can. Yes. Oh wow. What is? Sorry, you're a little dark there. Um, what is the? So it looks really bright, but like, is it just like random patterns, or is? No, it's like a a tower, like a tower oh, block, yeah. a couple of buildings, oh, yeah. okay. a little scene. Uh, for two reasons, it kind of reminded me. Of making it home, there's no cities in making it home. It's all desert, but similarish sort of like hand-drawn artwork uh, for yeah. it. And also, Electric Bearer from Bath, which is where Dave and I partied for a couple of years. We so, did. I thought I'd get this one open. But yeah, an American Pale Ale, uh, a little bit lighter than the last beer at four point two percent. And we'll come back to you, Dave. 
Oh, yes, drinking. Um, <laughs> although, although Sean's here now, so he can talk about what he's got. Uh, is it the same thing, ready. Sean? Sorry? Is it the, the same old thing? Fashions? No, no, no. Well, I've got, I've now got a Ooh. flapjack old-fashioned, which is, um, yeah, <laughs> like it's so it's Jamaican rum, oh, um, which is like Appleton Estate, which is really nice, and I noticed oh, I really that you like can Appleton. you can get it now in like normal supermarkets, which is really cool. Um, it's really oh, is that a funky. thing you couldn't normally get? Well, I d- maybe I just never noticed it, but I like I didn't, I was surprised when I saw that. <laughs> no. But if you're not looking for it, yeah, it's always at the bottom in the back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, because I was just saying it's, yeah. it's a it's a staple um, accessible rum uh, in in Canada, well at least in Albertan liquor stores. Like you just have it mm-hmm. in the corner shops as well as the boutique mm-hmm. places. Like, so, yeah. yeah, I like but the I, taste I mean, of it. Like, amazing, I, like it's yeah. such a nice rum. Yeah. Like, um, uh, so it's yes, yeah, Aberdeen State rum. Um, sweet vermouth and maple syrup and then um uh at like mole bitters oh i didn't know they yeah. made mole bitters mm-hmm. so it's kind of like chocolatey but cinnamony and mm. it's like you know like a starbucks cinnamon swirl i mean like I imagine, imagine that in yeah. bitters form and that's yeah. what ex- like they are they're amazing um <laughs> yeah can't decide if now I just need to find mole bitters or mm. if I need to go to a Starbucks. <laughs> you can do both. Whichever's There's no law. Yeah. You could do both <laughs> of those things. I mean, I mean, there is a law, and it says limit the places you go. <laughs> yeah. I dare yeah, sure. you to run into a Starbucks Sorry. and say, "I need mole bitters," and uh, yeah. demand yeah. them. <laughs> and don't wear a mask. Mm. <laughs> What's he doing? Mm. <laughs> Um, good, good. Uh, Dave, we will come back to you now then. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, um, so yeah, as you can see, they weren't wrong about the pinkish, oh, pinkish yeah. hue. Kind of looks uh, like grapefruit juice from this angle. Y- yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, when I first had it, obviously I was totally floored because I had never had a sour before. Um, turning into a Dave has never episode but I I have never had a sour before so and and also to to be a raspberry sour right like I it, it, I just had never tasted anything that was competingly so sweet and so sour except you know the obvious um so especially not in a beer I guess is my point <laughs> but um so like I just lo- I just fell in love with it immediately I think uh way back when because uh, it, it was completely different. It tastes, um, I guess, yeah. It was one of those first uh, beers beyond the regular set of ales that that then felt like it had that long aftertaste that I only needed to sip it, mm. um, and I, you know, and it could keep me going for a long time. Um, My and, favorite feeling. Yeah, and like I just just, just hadn't really had that very much. Um, or, or at least been conscious of it um, in quite the same way. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, so a bit like now, just sipping it whilst doing other stuff and just realized that uh, I was very much enjoying um, just the gentle sipping of it rather than, you know, necking it back or whatever. So that was, that was really nice. Um, in terms of describing the taste, it's hard to describe this taste because of the sweetness, because of the sour um but um it kind i suppose for me it does the sour does slightly override the sweet so i can feel my mouth kind of mm. you know trying to you know do that thing 
Uh, and I've never been a fan of sours as a as a uh, uh, a sweet or candy option. You know that mm, right. kind of um, sour is not so your favorite flavor type. Not at all. No, I mean to be honest, I don't. You know, sweets were never my thing anyway. I was more of a chocolate or a biscuit guy. But um, when it came to that, I was definitely not into this the sours. So that's not something my mouth has done or experienced a lot. Uh, so it was again quite interesting from that perspective. Um, the raspberry element. I mean, you guys will have had other sours, so you guys will know way way, way more than I do. But um, I'm at least intrigued to try other sours. I've got a, a blood orange sour Ooh. Um, Ooh. in the fridge. Yeah. Um, and I wondered about drinking that alongside it tonight, but I thought you know I'd bring at least a bit of a variety. So I'm I'm really interested to see what that you know brings to that sour experience but um yeah it's very sippable very drinkable i you know i won't drink it very very quickly uh, i imagine so, so some people would yeah so one of the things that happens with depending on the, the sour is if it's just if it leaves like there's a difference between the sour sort of taste and the mouthfeel and if it dries out your mouth because it's too sour and bitter you'll like feel like you have to reach for the glass just to like mm. rehydrate and it mm-hmm. sounds like it doesn't have that note uh, which is really good because then you can take all, tackle the sourness on its own terms. You'd be like, "Oh, I really like this. I'll have rapid succession of sips." Or, "Oh, I like this, but don't need it too quickly." In which case, I can nurse it. So, um, it's just a thing to look out for when you, when you try sours. It's just like, is the mouthfeel making me sort of tackle that tartness and that sourness and that bitterness on its own terms, or mm-hmm. or, or is it forcing me because it's sort of like. I need something to just sort sure. of power through. Yeah, and I th- I think if I'd have felt that, I definitely would have and en- en- wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I have or am. Excellent. Um, because of that, yeah, I feel I think of like being. F- I'm very kind of stubborn in a sense. I don't like being forced to do stuff <laughs> by, you know, my drinks or my. You know, I I actually kind of resent caffeine quite a bit because it has a, a hold on me. Uh-huh. Um, gotcha. So yeah like i don't like that about it um <laughs> but yeah so I, I, i'm sure i'll enjoy this excellent as a as a slight aside i do remember you liked a cider back in the day um i got a large stick for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um does this do, like uh sours kind of almost like don't remind me of ciders but they kind of almost fall towards that sort of category you know fruity carbonated kinds of of beers and uh, just as just for something kind of going forward for you to kind of look at when we're all allowed out of our houses again and able to go into places um, you might kind of uh, uh, if this one is a bit sort of carbonated and it's giving you that sort of like that zing kind of at the, the start and you want something that lasts a little bit more have a look and see if you can find um, like a kettle sour which is a okay. little bit flatter you know, and and in kind of comparison to to give you something that you sort of uh, can lean into, kind of if you're looking at, at, at sort of a normal sour is your slightly more fizzy carbonated sort of cider, and if you go with a kettle sour, it's mm. more akin to um, something like uh, uh, old rosy or, or something that's a lot flatter, yeah. but mm-hmm. still gives you those sour, but it delivers it in a very different kind of way, uh, and it's an interesting difference between the two same similar style beer but a very interesting difference okay that's great yeah all recommendations greatly received definitely good we'll come to adult it's me um i don't know if you saw but like 
my port was again not great. Uh, so very similar in the. Um, you can just see how thick that head was on the bad pour because it's just still clinging minutes later to the top of the glass. About a half finger's head this time lingering, but like, yep, that's a barely brown, mo- almost black um, beer. The nose is substantively sweeter with a hint of vanilla, which I guess mm-hmm. makes sense if it was a bourbon cask that yep. um, they claimed it was. Um, oh, I didn't actually say it was brewed in Lossiemouth, Scotland. Um, but um, say that one yeah. again. Where? Lossy mouth. Here, hold on. Can you? Yep. Uh, not quite. L o s s i e m o u t h. Lossy mouth. Lossy mouth, presumably, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but I was trying to I was trying to enunciate the spelling. <laughs> um, yeah, super sweet though on the nose, uh, like compared to the similarly um, boozy, slightly less boozy, but similarly. Oh wait, no, this is nine point two. What was? I always forget what this one is. Nine. This is nine point two. Uh, this is oh, they're, they're identical. They're both nine point two. <laughs> nice reading. Who knew? Hmm. Oh, that's a very interesting beer. So, although it's quite darker, it's actually quite... Sorry, cameras. Evoking my mental capacity. Um, it's quite... Um, it's quite a bit thinner. Like, like the, the mouthfeel and the texture is, is much more watery. But with that comes... Um, the malts are... It's much more malt forward. You're getting... A lot of roasted notes that linger throughout. They're not really strong, but like as the taste curve happens, that roasted taste doesn't change. So by the finish, you're like, oh yeah, they're there. And then you're like, wait, they never, they were always there. Um, you do taste a sweetness that feels like it's driven by the alcohol as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it, it does have that sort of bourbony, slightly vanilla um, taste to it. Um, but because of that, it, this tastes like, yeah, if you told me this was 9.2%, I'd be like, cool, this is 9.2%. But it's actually, I, I my fear is, because it's thinner, because um, there's a different balance in taste, I'm going to be drinking this quicker. It's not like I was mentioning earlier, it's not like it's drying my mouth out or forcing me to um, to grab it again. It's just, I think what it is, is the interaction of the... So like the that sort of burnt, malty, slightly toffee taste is the thing that lingers, but it's quite reserved. Mm. And then all the rest of the taste and all the interesting things that happen happen a little quick. So then okay. I'm like, oh, that was really, but but really interesting. So it's like, oh, I want to go through that little journey again. Let me just pick it up and take another sip. Um, this is a very excellent beer, though. Uh, unfortunately, it, I have bottle four four one five of five six zero zero, and it, I bought it uh, over a month ago. So I'm not sure oh. if you can find it again, <laughs> but if you can, it's real good. Um, yeah. So one of the things I was sort of hesitant on is bourbon oak casks. 
um, because bourbon's made so so they because I said bourbon. I suspect what that meant was it originally was a bourbon cask and then was a whiskey cask and then it was used because one of the things you notice in bourbon aged beers is that that oaky taste really comes through. It's mm. one of the reasons why in whiskey you never use fresh oak ca- casks. You always use previously used casks because that oaky taste is quite strong and in your face. So, And, I mean, that's great for a bourbon, which is supposed to be more biting. Um, but for uh, a a whiskey it tends to overpower the nuance that's going on um, and this clearly there's a slight oakiness but not a lot so I, I think the whoever wrote the flavor test text wasn't I think it's a it, I think it's a Glenmoray barrel that mm. originally was a bourbon barrel right uh, just based on how little oakiness I'm getting off of it there's a slight bit but um, I'm getting much more, much more of the multi notes that come from uh uh, whiskey, a non-bourbon, like a like a single malt Scotch whiskey aged uh, beer, um, slightly sweeter. Uh, the vanilla is there, but it's reserved. Um, just overall, but I, I really like this beer. I, I'm sad I didn't grab two, although it wasn't inexpensive. Could um, <laughs> have aged one. Could have sat on your um, shelf for it, years. Yeah, it's a, it also. It's super interesting because... Um, so one of the things we were mentioning earlier was the mouthfeel. It does leave me a little dry after the initial sip, um, which is part of the reason I keep re- reaching for it. It's not only... So I like the idea of, hey, look, it might be... A, just because the taste curve is sort of short in time, like, oh, it starts, gives me a journey, ends, has a long finish, but the interesting stuff is sort of crammed in the first 10 seconds, that's fine. Then it's my choice to grab it, but nah. Now that I've reached for it a couple times, I'm noticing actually it's leaving my mouth a little dry, and that's pushing me to get more sips, and that's suboptimal from my perspective, but, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, but, yeah, really excellent beer, uh, and I was completely right. Um, it's a really interesting follow-up to the fantastic, mm. um, you know, my one of my favorite beers ever. Like, they, they work really well together on the palate. Um, they're very different in the sense of what they're doing, but they both live in that rich, um, boozy, but you can't quite tell how boozy, um, strong, dark beer. Is that, yeah. Nice. I'm happy with both. I mean, good. we'll find out later. <laughs> good. Uh, that brings me, I suppose, to the Electric Bear, um, which is, which is an odd beer. So, it's got this lovely, dank, weedy nose to it. Hmm. Oh, it's quite but clear. It's very yes. It's very very sort of clear. You can sort of just okay. Make so out, it's actually you know, just that it's quite straw colored. Yes, it's very. I thought very it was light. like like lager mm. from the shop clear, but it's actually just that coloring, but still kind of murky. A little bit murky. Yeah. So it's got that. It's got a nice sort of dank, weedy nose to it, but then when you when you drink it, it kind of starts off with this very, very light orange flavour. And I've had beers before where you can kind of compare them almost to like a very weak orange squash. It's mm. got that little hint of orange to it, but it's a little bit sort of uh, a little bit more malty, maybe. So you're getting a kind of a 
a bready, biscuity kind of background with a little bit of orange in there, which just dulls it down a little bit. But it has that dankness to it in the uh, in the flavour as well, which again detracts from this fruity orange kind of note going on even more. It's almost like a very um, I don't know a very old Jaffa cake that someone else has licked the chocolate off of. <laughs> um, you've just had a joint and then you're banging back all of these Jaffa cakes. That's this beer. <clears throat> <laughs> Interesting. Is that a good thing or? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm drinking it very quickly. It's very light. It's only four point something percent. So it's it's really easy. Um, no carbonation to it at all. A little bit of bitterness comes with that dankness, sort of towards the end, but not much whatsoever. And it all dries out and fades really quickly so I am reaching for it to have a little bit more of that flavour although the orange does linger slightly uh, but it's it's making me reach for it to drink um, rather than me wanting to kind of go back to it so I am drinking it quite quickly but only because it fades so so fast who's eating the chocolate off your Jaffa cakes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who I mean, I don't know. What kind of house I, do yeah. I live in? I was going to say, I, thought, I for sure thought you were just going to blame Evelyn. Like, just like yeah. she she can't eat chocolate, so it's not her. Oh right, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So I've got to blame Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. Brutal. Could be your cat. <laughs> Could be the cat. It's probably me in the middle of the night. Completely yeah. The forgetting. problem isn't that someone else is back. doing it. It's that Ben's eating Java cakes in two stages. There's the like, <laughs> scraping of the chocolate <laughs> and putting aside, and then there's the next day. Uh. To be fair, it does sound like something I would do. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, well, actually, Sean, your flapjack, uh, yeah. old-fashioned, yeah. kind of described sort of the taste of which. Which do you? Which would you kind of not? Not which do you prefer? We'll come to that towards the end. But mm-hmm. is this kind of a, a, a between the two drinks? Is it something that you would alternate between, or would you stick with one this, normally? For this evening? is like an I I alternate between. Okay. Like, but this is the this is a really good like it's from a book called Nightcap by Cara Newman, and it's it's like lots and lots of like drinks that are meant to be your last drink. Um, right. Okay. And like it's ever? really m- more than like another like the old fashioned I had earlier. This one is like a really lingering like it's it's a long developing taste like it's really right. It's like so. Something I forgot to say is that there's a star anise garnish. So on top, so the first oh. thing that you get when you lift the glass up is that, that aniseed from the star anise, and then you take a sip, and it's like the first thing that hits you is kind of the, the kind of thickness of the mouthfeel from the the maple syrup, and kind of a sweetness, and then you get kind of like this butterscotch from the rum, which oh. is hmm. like the, which is super. It feels like it's it's weird because it's like a savory sweetness. It's not like sweet it's kind of i don't know it's a weird kind of sweetness it's not like like i'm eating something really sweet like a chocolate bar but it's kind of gives you that the, the sense of sweetness and then you kind of start getting what i think is wormwood from the um oh. sweet vermouth mm. which plays really well with the aniseed because that's then taking you to um i've forgotten the spirit name that's like aniseed and wormwood uh absinthe yes yeah I was like, yeah, so it's kind of got that like, kind of feeling, and then the mole bit has come at the end, and it's like that cinnamon. Wow. Like, you know when you get like a a truffle that you put in your mouth, and you that initial kind of 
cocoa powder that touches your tongue and it's like that drying kind of it's got kind of that kind of chocolate and then to cinnamon and then wow. it's quite drying on the mouth towards the end and it's just oh it's so good like it, it's compared to like the old-fashioned that is just like i take a drink and it's that really nice kind of bourbon sweetness it's it's all there very quickly and this is like slowly winding down kind of warm so like, i mean oh, just that that yeah. sounds like quite the taste journey and i guess my only thing is it sounds like so many interesting things would would you prefer to have that at the beginning of the night or the end of the night just on your personal preference um i guess i'd like i think i prefer to have this when i'm not playing a game because yeah, so I want to just be thinking about this. Like, I, I, I want to sit and just... So that's... The, I will often have... So if me and Dave stream every Tuesday, and, and after I stream, if it's not too late, I'll make myself one of these and kind of chill yeah. out. That yeah. That's that's my, my Tuesday evening jam. Nice. Is uh, it kind of lovely. one that you... One that you might lean to whilst Dave's playing something, and you can just sort yeah. of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, just sit in the background. You just sit back and you laugh at his platforming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... I mean, I might have to bother you for the exact recipe, and we might actually have to put it up on the Twitter, because that sounds luxurious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, mole bitters, I don't know how easy those are to track down. Oh, easy. They, yeah, you, I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can chuck you a link to where you can gotcha. get those. Excellent. It's an affiliate link, right, Sean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah good, good shout. <laughs> <laughs> Offer code PILBUG. <laughs> nice. Um, let's get back into uh, games, and we'll. We'll. I'm going to come to you in a minute, Lucy, because you've been sat very quietly and very patiently. I've um, been enjoying the conversation. Can I? Oh, good. Can I'm gonna, I say something mm-hmm? about making it home that I didn't get a chance to? Yeah, of course. Because I was going to. I was going to lean away from that very slightly. I know that's why I figured I would yeah. like jump in and say one last. Uh, this is a quality of life thing from my user experience. Uh, which is the literal only thing that I was like, eh, on, was, um, so when you're in the dialogue boxes, uh, the story, um, between, at, at the city stops, between, you know, running the vehicle, etc., you, like, and I actually think this might be a function of I'm playing on a very big screen, but you, the way the dialogue works is it says, someone says blah, the person you're talking to, if you choose to talk to them, and then you pick one of up to four options and you click on it and there's a pause and then it like makes your dude pick the thing which I've just read because I chose the thing and I found that I think it's I think normally like that doesn't bother me too much in games but I think it's because the pacing of the levels is such that um, I'm kind of always moving around and rushing and then having to read what I know why it's going to say because Mm. I chose to say it just instead of here it slowly types it out here was like into within like first time I was like oh that's weird within two runs I was still like I wish I could just say the thing and then hear what they Mm. said Um, Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. like obviously it's early access and like maybe just speed up the typing or whatever but like I thought Mm. it was a thing that's worth floating because it's those little things that you kind of have to track from just like for all I know, everyone else is like, ah, I like that, right? But I just saw it like it, it's it's one of those balancing things that is worth mm-hmm. bringing up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you you're not alone. 
you, like I, I don't know if that's helpful or, or whatever to hear but that is something that people have um, fed back to us and uh, I think uh, there's so I, 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 I agree like I understand that seeing the same thing twice most of the time is not a good thing like it's not necessarily something you want especially in a dialogue tree and so on and so forth what uh why we went with that to begin with and again as you say it's early access so this very very uh will likely change is that we were slightly worried that because of the complexity of some of the things that were going on the kind of hiding of things that uh people might actually forget what they've chosen right like and and actually and then when the reply comes up from the npc or the you know the person you're talking to um you might forget what had triggered that in their you know their conversation you, you, you clicked it and then you're reading along mm-hmm. you've you um, just made me realize that there's probably a really easy solution which mm-hmm. is we don't animate away. we don't we don't animate that text yeah that's probably like that oh, just appears oh, yeah. fully yeah mm-hmm. i was also thinking you just don't fade the choice away yeah, that's we. That d- could yeah. also mm-hmm. be another right. thing. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. then I clicked definitely. on it, and I'm like, I clicked on that. That's that's where I expect. I read the mm-hmm. thing. I picked the thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like mm-hmm. I think either or. I think it mostly mm-hmm. was like I said when I thought about why it irked me. It was because so much of the game was like encouraging me to optimize timing, and mm-hmm. I was like, I picked the thing. Now I'm waiting, and I can't yeah. fix yeah, it. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. that's why in other games it's okay, but in this game it felt jarring. Um, but yeah, so so yeah. so I, I I mean I'm glad I'm not just the neurotic guy in the corner that other people say. No, this. no, no. But also I thought no. it'd be useful to talk about because it's like yeah. a thing you can iterate on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it, I think as well as like another like it, it it actually it's a small thing, but it it flags up loads of really interesting things about like um, I guess player interaction, human interaction with with dialogue, with representations of dialogue, um, and like that idea of not. Uh, not flashing out the di- the box at the bottom and leaving that there so that you can see. Um, I think what we if we went down that route, which we may well do, we'd also probably have to put the player speaking avatar like on top of it or something. Like it would have yeah. to appear because you know you'd be like I click that button and and people need to be again. It's a bit like what we we're saying with cycle twenty eight. You need that reinforcement of oh I've just said that right. Like it's not just I picked it, but I've just said it as well. Um, and it's a tiny thing, but it's um, you know it all adds up to that player experience of feeling like you're in a conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's something we will definitely look at. Very cool. Nice. Sorry, that was just the one the... thing that I thought was interesting. No, that's a really. It, it really wasn't just me cry bloating. <laughs> and it, it's the joy of kind of being in early access, isn't it? That, mm-hmm. that people understand yeah. that it is an evolving uh, experience. That things will change. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feedback is wanted as well. It's it's not just yeah. that you're kind of doing stuff as and when you feel like it. It's that you want to hear back from from everybody on their experiences and to to, to kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, to to hone your craft in a in a way and, and kind of make a better experience. Um, and I say that that's good in early access, but we get lots of games these days where that's just you know people just release a game and then they just change it completely. Uh, just the way games are these days. Mm. Um, so. To move away slightly from uh, making home, Dave and Sean, have you just been consumed by this game since its release, or have you had a chance to kind of delve into other experiences? 
is there anything that you've kind of experienced the new or seen the new that's that's made you kind of reconsider a couple of points that you're sort of putting into this obviously being in early access and you can do these kinds of things and, and change stuff up is there anything that you've kind of experienced in the last couple of weeks which has made you kind of reevaluate stuff a little bit that's hmm. a good question. I, so like I okay like kind of yes but no and no but yes um <laughs> i i have like alongside developing making at home getting ready i'm gonna i have to mention this i've been playing the last of us for the first time oh okay and i one. played i played through one then the dlc and then last of us two all in one kind of like like i'd never played i played it before like I, I started playing last of us one like when cyber 28 launched and i think mm. i was just in a bad mental place and that game is quite challenging and i just couldn't deal with it so i stopped yep. um and then i actually i went back recently and i, I completed it two nights ago I, I i worked really hard to complete it for this podcast i know nice. you guys <laughs> are like i like fans um wow that's a game right yeah and 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 like so it's not it's a really it's it's such a so i've been obsessed like i've, I've been like thinking about that game quite a lot and the thing that the kind of thing that jumps out at me is is the violence in that game and how violent that game is and in a way that it made me feel bad about what i was Ooh, doing in a very okay. effective way and to how much can i talk i don't like how much can i talk about i don't want to spoil part anything two? for people but or part one sorry part two part or two or part, part two so part two is kind of no i shouldn't uh, talk about right yeah, I mean, we, we, we general spoilers alert. Okay, so so without character. spoiling, there, there are lots of parts in that game where I didn't want to do a thing. Yes. Yeah. And I had to do a thing, and I feel like the game was telling was kind of like making me feel terrible the whole time. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I've that's that's been what I've been diving into, and that's been it's making me think about violence in video games a lot actually that's mm. what i've been always been on my mind is like how violent that game like and i don't necessarily mean it in a negative way but i don't what do you think like if you, you've a lot you've all played it right uh, i haven't because i've mm. been waiting to actually start and finish uh last of us part one but mm -hmm. i i've read a lot of commentary and like you're not alone in that sort of contemplative i mean what i understand is What's unique about this game is it wants to say a thing about violence and attitudes towards othering and vi being violent to, to people while still being a video game that sort of prizes and like rewards I mean, and forces you to just do video gamey video gaming, which is pew pew, headshot, mm -hmm. blood blood. Right, like, and, uh, yeah, and I think it kind of it's that next sort of step in that um, uh, kind of thought process. Really, uh, you know, you can play any first-person shooter, and no one gives a shit that you've just blown someone's head off. You move on to the next one. The character doesn't have a thought about it. They don't worry about it. The last well, can't have a thought. They have no head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the bloke <laughs> next to him doesn't give a Shouldn't shit. Shouldn't have got you, but I um, love it. <laughs> The Last of Us, it does make you think about those things. It does make you feel uncomfortable. It does want you to uh, to reflect on that. And the whole kind of story builds towards that with the decisions that the characters kind of take. Um, is it is it perfect in its kind of 
representation and sort of what it's trying to do and then making you just kill a load of people no absolutely not and uh, you know, you can lean into one of Naughty Dog's other games like Uncharted and Nathan Drake kills thousands of humans with not even a care in the world. They've mm-hmm. kind of taken another step in sort of their storytelling to consider it and still kind of understand, well, we need to kind of sell a video game and we haven't figured out how to evolve the mechanics of what we're trying to do past having to do these things. But mm-hmm. they've started that kind of conversation around that I think and it's and I, and I, I think that was part of why I liked it because it was a game which made me feel uncomfortable you know we talk about movies and TV shows and and other experiences which like actually this is a really uncomfortable scene but it's made mm-hmm. me think about this it's made me kind of reflect in this way it's made me read these characters differently we don't really have that huge amount in video games and I think yeah. it's kind of just taken that next step almost I, I think it's the, it reminds me actually of um, Metal Gear Fi- Phantom Pain. Yeah. So um, so something in Phantom Pain that they add as a mechanic, which I thought was really powerful, is if you shoot a guy and don't kill them in one shot, they will lie on the ground screaming, and mm. that reveals where you are. Yeah. And and that, and like so, on one hand, that's the mechanic is like I've given up my stealth. Right. But on the other hand, you, you're saying like actually getting shot with a gun doesn't just like make you like is not just like lights dead. off. It's like yeah, quite d- a dead. painful, horrible experience, mm. and that's what Last of Us Two does. Is like you hear people screaming and screaming for their friends who you just murdered, and right. that 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 feels awful. And and it and it, it got to the point in the point you know I was in the point of the game of thinking can I just get through this bit without killing anyone because I can't deal with doing this to people and and it and that's it's i i think it's i think it does i think it does it well like i think for me for my experience i mean it depends how like but then i've often thought about how you could approach that game you might not have thought the same way i was thinking like i think partly it's because i play the game like uh, my wife likes to watch a lot of games like that but she wouldn't necessarily want to play them herself but we she watched the whole of that game well both of them right while i was playing because it's an incredibly good story the story is really good and um there were points where she was like, oh, this is really bad. Like, this is really, like, I'm not sure I can deal with this right now. And, really, and yeah. I mean, I in think a way, it kind of universal. says how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. I was laying down trip mines for dogs, so, you know. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> that, that was the, like, Lucy. that was the point where I was like, I don't know, I, can, I can't do this. I can't, I can't shoot that guy's dog. <laughs> because... It's oh, so the Lizzie. thing that gets me is you get these you get these power ups like the trip mines that like you use them on zombies for, not zombie infected first right or, or oh my like the explosive arrows are just brutal yeah <laughs> like because you I, you know the first time I unlocked them and like I because I accidentally shot one with an ex- someone with one of those like a human and and to see what happened to them and I was like oh Kaboom, and yeah. to have all the other NPCs screaming in horror and running away because of what you yeah. just did is like oh god that's you know i think that's really power like it they did i don't know it, it, it that game is really in the forefront of my mind i guess because i spent so long playing all those games in one row mm. but holy uh, cow i mean i yeah. think that's sort of the the cul-de-sac that the industry has got itself which is like you have people who want to say real things who understand the the tension between gameplay Mm-hmm. Gonna shoot some shit, and mm-hmm. narrative and plot. 
shooting shit has consequences. And, like, from the, like, super, like, bird's eye view, there's almost no game that doesn't just severely fail that disconnect. Because it's like, actually, we don't know how to do gameplay, claim gameplay that is compelling while engaging with these themes. And that's why, like, there are a bunch of people who are like, hey, Last of Us 2, fuck you. Like, you can't make me do all of... Because you're making me do gameplay things and then telling me I'm a bad person for doing them. That's stupid. And there's then, and then the flip side of that is, oh, right. Gameplay requires me to do X and X is problematic and you're making me question that. And I think the Spec Ops line is probably uh, one of the, the best examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early, from at least my experience one of the landmark games which did sort of towed this line of you this is what gameplay demands but also if we were to think about it it's bad um and uh and and we're hit, hit this weird positioning where game development hasn't figured out how to if you want to be sort of you want to design around these problematic elements. How do you make the game interesting and like people want to play it? We just haven't figured out how to mm-hmm. engage with these topics it's- while being like these topics aren't neutral. And like the controversy in Last of Us Two is exactly mm-hmm. that, which is we get it, but also it's a game. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like the thing that, and like this could be the way they designed it, and if it was, that's incredible. I found myself like, like it's one of these games. It's so long. Like, and I'm you were talking so about like the the, the compel like like the compulsion to discover everything. So like I played The Last of Us thinking like, okay, like right, the designers clearly clearly want me to go in that building, so I'm not going to go in that building. I'm going to go search over here because there'll probably be like a bandage, um, and I'll pick up a bandage and I've got like and there's a letter and and, and this yeah. amazing universe where everyone panics and writes everything they're thinking down on a piece of paper and then puts it down <laughs> before the apocalypse. Um, but and and I, mean, I love. Do you that not stuff. have a COVID journal? But yeah, I I, I shouldn't. I, I didn't leave a note in my office when I left. Like I should have left a note saying that we we're. You know, oh, that would um, have been a good idea. Yeah, a real creepy note. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, a, a note that that like didn't really say what you were feeling, but sort of painted a vague picture. Yeah. that's and the what combination you would do. of the safe it, is your yeah. birthday. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Sorry, um, I interrupted you for well, a bad joke. Continue. That's right. um, so, but so I found myself when I wasn't playing the game, thinking about the combat is so interesting. I was thinking about how I could kill people. Like that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like, oh, I've got this awesome weapon that I just unlocked. That's going to be really cool in this situation that I next meet these people. But the thing you end up doing is it's horrific. Mm. And then you kind of go like, for me, I went through the thought process of like that's horrible why am i thinking these horrible things and then really that's the whole theme of the game and yeah. so if they want like was that the thing they wanted me to think probably i mean i think this is one of the problems you get with media in general um is so like like for example oof, i don't want to open this can of worms but i'm going to um like movies like fight club and Scarface, uh, which are like, like the quintessential, like, 
dude in his 20s dorm room poster movies missing the point of the film type things. Um, right, like, so when you celebrate Scarface because, boy, he was badass, and you don't get the whole point of the movie is the last ten minutes where it all blows up in his face, literally. Um, or Fight Club where this is about toxic masculinity, not celebrating it. But actually, there's, like, a ton of media that, like, is commentary, but a lot of... But then there's this, like, large subset of its fans, maybe possibly the majority, that is not getting the intended message. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like 12-year-olds playing Grand Theft Auto. Because Grand Theft Auto is a really good commentary on, like, modern life. But Wait, which, to some people, I mean, it's just, I, I I'm going to go... I when I played GTA 1. Yeah, like, so GTA 5, or like, for example, like, it's... Yeah, it's all... I, I, I'm being, I'm yeah, being yeah. needlessly <laughs> difficult. Yeah, I, no, I... I uh, but original uh, GTA was the same. Yeah, but also, like, I, I think that's exactly proving your point, which is when I played GTA 1... It was fun to just be this little sprite who tried to steal mm-hmm. cars and, like, really failed at being a criminal. Because, boy, that for Liberty City in that game, hard. It took be three different versions of that to get things. No, no, I use cheat codes. I have no idea. I don't think... I think in the entirety of my gaming career, I doubt I could have passed GTA 1 properly. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it's about this, like, trade-off of mm-hmm. trying to make your point and I think the key that's missing is I, I think and we're getting there now is understanding that there are people who will misunderstand your point and take it take like satire critique at face value and how do you deal with that mm-hmm. we don't have that's an answer saying, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like there's no answer to that one yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad The Last of Us took us there um, Dave we'll throw the question to you is there anything that you've played um, recently which has kind of a, you know influenced maybe where you want to take either making it at home or, or just influenced you in general I suppose yeah no um, so I have been playing with a friend cooperatively um, Divinity 2 Original Ooh, Sin I've never played uh, that co-op no, I've never played it full stop until um, the like uh, uh, this friend. We we'd been playing quite a lot of Total War Warhammer together cooperatively, and then he was like, and um, you know we, that that was very early on in lockdown. We were playing that together because obviously we weren't seeing anyone, and and you know my friend lives in a flat on his own, so it was like a really important kind of. Mm. Uh, you know social outlet yeah yeah. you know and and we'd chat and like that was like the main thing it was a bit like why sean and i play board games a lot i suppose is is just to have something to do whilst you're chatting like right to build a conversation around almost as much as anything or just like fill the time yeah yeah, excuse to meet some up with someone yes exactly and you you know i mean we could chat, we could sit and chat, and we did often, but like when you've got the, the game running in the background, that kind of thing. So um, so we moved on to um, Divinity 2. I'd never played it. He suggested I might like it. Um, I'm, you know, turn-based, like, because it's a turn-based RPG system, so uh, for combat. Uh, so I like turn-based stuff because, like, my reflexes aren't the best part of my gaming skill set, as you can probably tell. Wait, so, um, so your next game is going to be a turn-based platformer? Yeah. 
write that down, Sean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so like I've been enjoying that, and the, uh, the thing why it's you, you know as much as enjoying it and you know chatting and co-op and stuff, but you know why it seems appropriate to answer is obviously there's a lot of dialogue in it. Uh, there's a lot of like branches, like extra options and dialogue um, because of you know who your character is. Uh, they're different traits they're different you know skill sets. You know it's your usual kind of branching dialogue stuff, but with extra layers on top. Um, and it's all voice acted, which oh. so I mean, as much as anything, it's aspirational. Like, there's no way we could do that. Like, there's just no way, um, unless Sean and I develop a penchant for excellent voice acting, which yeah. uh, I mean, either of us are gonna do. I mean, <laughs> like this. You, you got Lucy to do various ver- versions of female and male, and like uh-huh. Ben can also do the same. So between the five of us, do you think we're covered? Uh, to be honest, I mean. Just make a very small microcosm. Well, we've probably only got like five characters anyway, right? Yeah. Like, like, done. like you guys are free for the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah nothing, uh, pro bono, maybe not, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, it's hugely impressive to hear, and it does bring it alive, you know, and it, I kind of understand why like big AAAs are able to do it. It's amazing, it's wonderful, and players love it. Um, but uh, you know, as much as that, there are other things around that dialogue system. The fact that it's cooperative, and you can listen in on other people's conversations, um, or you can be halfway across the map doing something else, like you know. And I could miss conversations uh, that that then he has to fill me in on because I've missed it um, completely, or he's made decisions that actually have a major impact on what we're doing, and I wasn't there because I was, you know, faffing about messing somewhere. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like usually, usually it's rushing around trying to open every pot and crate and you know for two gold right like the usual RPG yeah because cause you're, you're playing game the way game games game yeah game 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 yeah and uh, and he's actually wanting the story um, but yeah so that's like it's it's a roundabout answer but the ancillary stuff around the conversations um, and around the branching narrative the little tweaks are the things that I've been impressed by and have, have made me think huh is there something we can you know, do on our side through Ink and Unity, which are the two programs we kind of use for our writing. Uh, that kind of obviously don't go as far as what what they're doing in Divinity, but you know what I can take inspiration from. So, Excellent. you know, yeah. that's been it. Nice, good. Hmm. Um, Lucy, we'll jump to you now. Hmm. Yeah, um, patiently waiting in the wings. <laughs> I never have anything um, interesting to say. So. Mate, you, you played all only the games. have interesting things to say. Game in ex- like, in you play like 17 games a week and you're casually like here's a game that's super interesting here are three things that you want to know more about but also I have several other games so look it up. Like it's great but like <laughs> I won't stand for you pretending like you aren't interesting. Okay, in my head I have nothing interesting to say. But anyway... Yeah, thank you for the vote of confidence. Well, so, for this, um, what's one game that you've played that you've taken inspiration from? Ooh. Um, Tetris 99, I'm a pacifist, and I can't be bothered to learn the system, so I just play Tetris, (laughs) and then everyone gangs up on me and get knocked out. Um, But you get up again. No, I only play it now and then. <laughs> and then I just think, 
I'd rather love just that be slow roll. That was great. <laughs> um, I just love seeing that many people playing Tetris at the same time. It's just like, it's oh look, there's 99 people. Like, wow. Yeah. Oh, I lost. <laughs> it's 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 a good game, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd just rather play vanilla Tetris. But yeah, I was gonna say, I, I'm not surprised, Lucy, that y- your your solution is. Oh right, the multiplayer bit's kind of meh. <laughs> yeah. You kind of just want to play single player yeah. Tetris. Yeah, but I unlocked a Luigi's Mansion free skin for the next time Ooh. I play Tetris ninety nine, which will be in another three months. So <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, game I've t- well, I, I might diverge from your question, Ben, because I don't know if I've taken inspiration from it. But that's fine. Talk about what you want. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been jumping around a lot of games, to be honest. Nothing has quite clicked, but one game that did was... Um, it's called... Let me go to Steam. Uh, Willie Morgan and the Curse of Bone Town. And now, Bone Town is just... Every game should have Bone Town in its title somewhere. Uh, but She's not yeah. wrong, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's purposeful um, innuendo, but there's not really any. If it's not, good game. lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite there's a lot of other names like. than Willie. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically a point and click adventure game um, in the style of, well, taking a lot of inspiration from, you know, Monkey Island and right. a lot of the LucasArts games and stuff like that. It's got a. This is a lot. It's basically 3D rendered, but like still 2D 2D-ish. Plane? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's got this like weird Tim Burton-esque style where it's everything's like deformed and got these you know weird-looking shapes and buildings and objects. But um, yeah, it's it's a good one of those. It's because there's not many of those, and I love point-and-click adventure games, and hmm. this one does that very well with. Um, I think my brain is just broken at this point because I do wonder, like, anyone who's coming new to a point-and-click adventure game, like, do they think in the weird, screwed-up ways that you have to to think, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Put a hamster in, like, a microwave. I mean, does that make sense to other people? I don't know, but... (laughs) (laughs) I get what you're saying, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those where it's like, okay, if you have this kind of frame of mind from all the years of playing point-and-click adventure games, uh, this is very much your, up your alley. Like, I never had to look at a hint system. Um, I don't Just even think it. this game has one. Um, but I never had to look at a walkthrough or anything like that. So everything just makes sense in the most absurd mm-hmm. way, but it's still grounded in reality, which I appreciate. Well, in point-and-click is it grounded in reality or grounded in like knowing how these games are absurd? Both. But in grounded in reality. I'm fine with yeah. that. I just like like I think that's like that's what a good nostalgia like so mm. point and click is kind of a nostalgia genre and like that's a great thing for the developers to understand that like so, like some current thirteen year old is never yeah. gonna make this connection, but anyone who's played, you know, King's Quest or Space Quests or any of these sort of precursors will immediately see this connection yeah. and that's worth writing because Yes, you're not going to capture all of your viewers with this, and they'll be like, "What?" But mm. like, if if you're building something on one of these sort of antiquated genres, for lack of a better term, just like one of these genres that just has not 
stood the test of time as far as being in the prominence, then it's okay to just be like, yeah, if you've played these, you'll get this immediately. And if yeah. not, sorry. Uh, and and I think that's the way you like keep these things in the in the rotation yeah. versus trying yeah. to like mm-hmm. develop around all the age groups. Yeah, absolutely. And so, it's funny that you mentioned nostalgia because these, I mean, a lot of the humor. I don't know how I feel about this. A lot of the humor in like modern point-and-click adventure games is referencing old Old. point-and-click adventure games. Like it's recursive? Uh, Yeah, and it's like I don't mind it and I get a chuckle out of it because I understand it, but if I don't get the reference, I fail to see how that would make you laugh or you'd just be like what's Hmm. going on, you know? So, Like, are you cornering yourself to being a dying breed because not everyone who's played a point-and-click adventure will buy yours? And even if they do, they might not immediately get the reference, and then yeah. the joke falls flat, and then I don't have the urge to keep playing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a fine line to walk. But I think they do it well. They've they've got decent um, voice acting in it. Um, it's about four to five hours long, which is like my perfect time for a video mm. game. But mm-hmm. I, I do wish it was a bit longer in this case because I was really okay. enjoying it and. I, and I I can't imagine like you know how much uh, how taxing it would be on a team. Um, Imaginary Lab is the name of the team who uh, made this game, just to make a few extra you know environments, um, just to have one or two puzzles in it, um, and just have that environment be throwaway after after you've done the one thing in there. So I, I understand why it was short and. It's better. I ha- I play a game and it leaves me wanting more rather than oh that went on for ages. Mm-hmm. The puzzles got really mm-hmm. obtuse and difficult and um, sort of like how I feel about like Broken Age, the second part of it. So like I would have been fine if it was just the first part of that game. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I do recommend it for anyone who's sick and twisted like me and just wants point-and-click adventures from nineties <laughs> nostalgia. It's kind of weird how like. Mm-hmm. Those games like were so perfect for episodic stuff. Yeah. Like and when the tell Telltale did it right, but then uh, there was a lot of like mismanagement at Telltale mm. that they tried to yeah. expand so quickly that then they have you has anyone seen the no clip documentary about yeah. Telltale? I yeah, haven't. It's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, and it, it's it's a shame because I, I guess I love that model of mm-hmm. episodic for, for me per, like, and it's very selfish because for me personally I have a short time you know the time I have to play games means that that episodic thing is really nice for me because mm-hmm. like like particularly like Hitman is probably my Hitman the the new one that they brought out not the newest one not Hitman 2 Hitman 1 but the reboot Hitman that they brought out like yeah. one episode every one yeah yeah um, that was really nice because every month it was like here's a new thing and I could play it for a bit and then yep. here's a new thing yeah. and um yeah, it, yeah they, 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 they nailed for the them. release of like mm-hmm. maps and goals and like upgrade, iterative I, versions of it, the game. That's why I prefer it to Hitman 2. Um, yeah. Like just that yeah. model alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird because like I, I feel like I feel exactly the same way, yet they did Hitman 2 a different way because they didn't succeed with mm. Hitman 1. Yeah, and to be honest, anyone who actually like really likes and played that game and really got into it would prefer the episodic model it's just because yeah. i mean the initial rollout of that game was 
you know controversial at the time because um, yeah. you know they had it listed on stores uh, the full game and then they pulled it and then yeah. mm-hmm. very close to release they announced that it'd be episodic and you know a lot of more casual gamers or not even more casual a lot of people want to know what they're getting for their money and they would have just preferred to buy the full thing but mm-hmm. in retrospect it's like I knew I was going to play that game and get it regardless because I I saw the potential of it and it's like this is mm-hmm. this is great um, and yeah you could really soak in those levels and just yeah I, I mean I put what over 300 hours into that game mm. yeah, like Hitman 2 I didn't feel like I needed to like I, mm. I couldn't I always said to myself right I need to play it like the episode I need to pretend that I've only <laughs> yeah. got this yeah. level and yeah. I need to, for the next month I can only do that and then but of course I did the hit and then I went to the second level mm. which like yeah. which kind of spoiled the loop of the game which is I like, keep replaying this level yeah yeah absolutely I, I, was, I was exactly <laughs> yeah it was exactly the same just just ran through a level moved to the next one ran through a level moved mm. to the next one well I spent like uh, uh, 60 hours in Miami to be fair <laughs> 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 it's funny yeah we can't have that same self control can yeah. we it's impossible yeah. mm-hmm. um it's just one more game I want to speak about Oh, go on then. Go on. Very quickly, it's very quick because I haven't actually finished it, but um, it is interesting so far what I've played now. Um, bear with me. It's an anime visual novel, but, but if you're like me and you think, hmm, not a ma- massive fan of anime, not a massive fan of visual novels, um, this one's called uh, Milky Way Prince. Um, and What's different about it is it's not not your very light-hearted like kind of usual anime visual novel where you're you know trying to min-max and find the best outcome, find your best partner, and you know court the the quote-unquote best person or your most favoured person. It's it's very dark. This one it's very surreal. It's very it kind of reminds me of like Doki Doki Literature Club kind of. Doesn't have that kind. It sort of has like a bit of subversion to its gameplay, but not quite as much as Doki Doki. But it's it's basically about a, an abusive relationship, um, which is a tough, you know, subject. It's tough subject matter to tackle. Not quite sure yet if this game succeeds on that, but I kind of like where it's going. It's it's very, as I say, it's very surreal. It's very dark. It's very twisted. Um, and so far it's been handling the subject matter you know pretty well but mm. yeah i'm really interested to see how far this will push and push things and where it will go um so i might check in on this um maybe next week but but yeah so far uh, i'm i'm really i'm intrigued i'll say that i'm intrigued yeah, yeah. nice good um so to finish us up this week Lucy, Adel, have either of you got any kind of final questions whilst we've got Sean and Dave on about making it home uh, or what what they're going to be up to in the next couple of weeks constantly tapping away, changing things <laughs> Yeah, I want to know uh, more about this Celeste Dash jump thing because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome That's the stealing Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's just I, the, I the attack even... thing, right? Yeah, but how do you even like recreate that? I know nothing about coding or, <laughs> or programming, so. Oh, you're talking about like how to how to like. Yeah, just like. So, are you trying to are you trying to like 
get that feeling the exact feeling down yeah it's yeah. I, I mean like so so i mean this is kind of my post like so like at some point where we were like okay we're gonna make this a platforming game mm-hmm. so i kind of as obsessively started looking at platforming games and what okay. are people like what are the best platforming games what does everyone say this is the best platforming game and like celeste was the thing that came up and i was like right i need to play celeste so I played Lotus Celeste. Luckily, the people who make Celeste like have talked and shared yeah. how they do things. So that's that that kind of helps, obviously. Um, and it's a lot of kind of like looking and developers tend to be quite open at how things work. Um, so like it wasn't so much me recreating things, but just taking the time to kind of search to see how people do things. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I find really fascinating about platforming which I can get really excited about is like most the way you make a platforming game feel good is by making the controls imprecise right so you will actually think the controls are more precise if the if it's less precise so so we do a lot of things in the game where I'm like looking in the past to see what buttons you've pushed so let's say you're falling down towards a platform mm-hmm and you want to jump immediately, you'll hit the jump button. Maybe you hit that jump button two or three frames yeah. before you actually hit the floor. Right. You want to see that jump happen. So what I do is I'm always looking like... I, 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 I research like average reaction times. And so it's like average reaction time in the past. If you hit the jump button, I keep track of that and then jump when you land. So you ah. feel it's precise, but actually yeah. it's not. Like I've actually made the game less precise, Ooh, okay. but it makes you feel like it's like way more precise. Because um, I saw like, things like game makers toolkit on this exact subject or something like mm-hmm. that, and it's like yeah, 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 yeah. It's fascinating. It really is, and like, game makers toolkit is a great resource mm. um, for this kind of stuff, and and it, I, I, for, I, I love that stuff. That that for me is really <laughs> that's interesting. Super, of, of I mean, like, that's super interesting to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I don't know what the exact term maker. they call it in that video. Um, yeah, it's, like so there's of, like yeah. Is like coyote time is is a big huge yeah, one. It's the yeah, first one you yeah, learn. Yeah. Is mm. like the like the the fact that if I jump if I walk off an edge, mm-hmm. you've got reaction time to hit the jump button and then you'll still jump so you won't fall. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, there was some interesting stuff where some people used, I'd implemented those things in a way that meant people were able to fake a double jump oh because of the way they were tapping jump on a keyboard because i was doing all my testing on a controller uh-huh. you can only push a control button so fast but on a keyboard you can like tap 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 tap, tap, tap. and so people were able to double jump to get a higher fall f- to hit the bellows yeah. so they were getting f- better you can't do it anymore ben don't worry like, <laughs> I, I, I fixed that problem it's out there. it's out of it but um, that's really funny. Yeah, and it's a lot of alt tabbing. <laughs> it's a lot of playing your game, alt tabbing yeah. to Celeste, playing it and being like, "What's going on?" Um, right. yeah. oh, I just, it's just, I, I could, I could speak for two hours on, mm. on the the the, ju- the gravity of a jump. Please do. And how to make that feel weighty. I mean, that's super, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got two hours next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> our, sub- our, our supplemental episodes yeah. coming up uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Yes. I definitely can sympathize with someone uh, misusing a thing because, like, one of the reasons why when I first, like, I joined World of Warcraft on the beta and played it for the first six months, but my number one memory of World of Warcraft was the fact that 
as an if you took the engineering's like crafting thing, you could make a thing that was like a telescope. But mm-hmm. the the game, like basically, you hit the telescope. Like it's basically like an item you use, and it has like a one second casting time. So you click it. And one second, you see a bar go up, and then one second passes, and then it gives you a zoom in. That's it. Simple item, right? No. Because the way the code worked was it was changing your point of view, which meant if you jumped at the split second that it, the one second ended and it zoomed in, it would put you one jump up and zoom in, which meant when you clicked out of the zoom in, you would now be hovering. <laughs> which meant that you could most of the barriers of like new content or like 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 content they had like tried around around like Stormwind and like a lot of the content was blocked f- that from basically by being like more than one jump pipe. But mm-hmm. if I jump, mm-hmm. use my trick, I'm now one jump set above, and now I can I can do that actually. At the height of it, you could do it arbitrarily many times. So you could just climb up to the top. But when they stopped it, the first patch was you could only go one jump up. But most of the blocks of like we haven't finished this content was we'll just make up, we'll just make it so you can't jump over it. But if I can jump twice artificially, I, I fucking explored that. Like I wish Twitch was around then because I explored so much of OG WoW that I shouldn't have. <laughs> And there's also a way of cheating dungeons. Like the early dungeons, because you could just go to the end of the dungeon and exploit up and jump to the end point. And like, cool, one. <laughs> like, I won't get the experience of fighting all the things, but I'll get that last treasure chest, and it turns out doing that multiple times is better. And, well, like, that type of thing where you... Uh, it must next be like, year, apply to GDQ, the deal. It's uh, going on now. Maybe you can get the surprise slot. Um, but, like... It must be why I bring this up is it must be a kind of a nightmare to try and code around um, people who are trying to do these things. Just not trying to play your game, trying to specifically break break your game. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but they are like they are invaluable in beta testing. Like, you know, initially when I was first getting into this, I was like, why are people wanting to break it? Just play the game as normal people do. And then I was like, the longer I was involved with the pillbox stuff, the more I valued those people because they were showing us, you know, how it could be broken. Mm. And if you if you stop them from breaking it, if you manage to, you know, then you know, ninety nine point nine percent of people are going to have a the kind of experience you're designing. Right, um, because if if can't if 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 people who are trying to break it can't easily break it, then no one's going to stumble into. It something is broken exactly. that's a really good way yeah. of putting it i, I hadn't yeah. thought of that way it was, i always yeah. thought of it as like just curbing those assholes like me but actually someone might accidentally do this thing and they might not want that and that sucks for them and uh, i mean i'm also always in awe of people like creatively finding those things because that's certainly not how i approach games at all uh, it's a bit more maybe how sean does but like I am not looking to break any game when I sit down in front of it. I'm not looking to find the angles, the edges, the way it, you know. Um, so uh, I like I the the steps of which even just what you just described, like to find that first time, 
like I love that discovery. I love that other people do it. Yeah. I love that creativity. And when people apply it to our games, I think I'm largely okay with that unless it does something that is like super broken. You know, yeah, just something that it's weird, isn't it? Because who am I to be the gatekeeper of their experience? I'm not. I'm just the person who's presenting that experience to them. So uh, I like. I think we're loath to be a bit too heavy-handed. If someone wants to 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 do something that, you know, um, but I d also don't want them to ruin what I think is the core experience mm. of the game. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, I think I think like like you're saying with your like missing out the dungeon and just getting the end treasure, like like I love the creativity that comes with that I love like with WoW I love seeing people solo dungeons that are supposed to be done with 5 to 10 people because they found pathing exploits or they've you know you know things like that I think are amazing but they do kind of stop the core experience of the game it, like it's one of those things where like you want you're okay with someone doing it but you don't want them to be shouting at the raptors hey why don't you just do this to skip the hard parts he, it's about yeah. trying to make people feel like they've got one over on you. So, like, because if they have that feeling that they cheated the game, that's a really powerful thing. So, the the example, the classic example I can always think of is um, how many people have played Breath of the Wild? Okay, so Breath of the Wild, cool. There's a few. Do you know, like, in Breath of the Wild, there's those dungeons where you have to get electricity from one point to another. Yeah. And, like, there's this big puzzle room. I forget, was it like this. Uh, like what was the the things you those like little puzzle things that you, I, it's been such a long time. yeah oh, shrines yeah. So, so, yeah 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 so there was like a shrine where there was this I could see all this really complicated like system that I needed this puzzle I needed to solve to get electricity from here to here and then I thought hang on I've got a load of equipment that conducts electricity <laughs> so I just put all that equipment on the floor in a big line <laughs> and conducted electricity from where it needed to go yeah. to where it needed to be <laughs> I mean and, and, and I also did that. <laughs> I yeah. think I know the exact puzzle. <laughs> and it's a great feeling. Yeah. You feel like you've cheated, but they knew. Like they're, they're Nintendo are smart. Like the people who did that knew that was what you could do, and they put that in there. And I that's the where that's where too. you've achieved. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that that's the kind of like your goal is to make someone feel like they've cheated you, yeah. but like, as a developer, but actually, it's know, within your purview. Yeah. It's it's not standard gameplay, yeah. but it's within the realm of like. Mm -hmm. We saw this. Cool. You you figured out this workaround, but like, this is this isn't breaking the rules of the game. This is using the rules to your advantage. Reward mm -hmm. creatively. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah, yeah that's definitely. Great. I I love the shrines in that game, but the bigger dungeons felt a bit more linear, yeah. and it felt mm -hmm. like I was yeah. breaking the game in a bad way, <laughs> in the way not yeah. intended. Whereas, mm -hmm. yeah. The I felt I got to a point where I was like, I felt like I broke the game in such a way I was at a point where I really shouldn't have been there, <laughs> and so then I could, ah, and then yeah. I like got to a point where I needed to beat a boss to get past that bit, and I was mm -hmm. like, well, like I'm suddenly like I'm I'm way underpowered. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and so for me and Wow, it was like I'm on top of uh, Iron Forge. There's a bunch of abandoned, crashed like planes that make it seem like there's a flying mini game in this game that doesn't exist yes. and then like eight years later there's a flying mini yeah. game above Ironforge you're like yep saw that and you're like well this wasn't this wasn't at all in the like the routine that anyone wanted I was just some asshole doing weird things which was great 
But also, like, one of the things about, like, these open-world MMOs is, like, the reason why I picked Rogue uh, and uh, was um, because I wanted... And, like, I went full, like, uh, stealth tree. Was because I wanted to just see what I could do. Like, I was the guy who didn't really want to, like, stun lock you and, like, play the PvP thing. I just... I wanted to see more of the game that I probably shouldn't have at my level. So, what you're trying to say is that you're the one who hacks Nintendo and the police yeah. are on the way. <laughs> okay. But, like, what I like about games is when they, like, don't punish that, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they nerfed the, 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 the telescope thing, but they didn't, like, make large barriers or, like, cut that extra content. Because I know, because some friends of mine who I chatted about, um, they found other ways to get there, and they went back. And nothing the, changed there. And it was like, but getting back was sort of the point. Was like, yes, our our exploit was this weird, like, telescoping, jumping mechanic, which was timing. But if you did it two or three times, you just could then walk up the hill. And then they were like, cool, we'll break the telescope. It's like, well, you, you're not changing the world. Hmm. So we'll just find another way to get six feet up. The, the worst feeling in the world is an invisible wall. Yes. Of like yeah. you get to a point where like they just put in a you can't go past here and and then it feels like yeah if 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 the mechanics allow you to get there you oh. should be able to get past yeah. like or you know there should be a happy easter egg there waiting for you. Yeah, which is again like I think it was very prescient that like it was very clear that they didn't want us there. Like mm-hmm. I got GM talked to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and again this is the first 6 months of wow, right? Like this is Yeah. Um but also my friends still went there. Went, they figured out other exploits, and I, I didn't bother because I saw it once and I was fine. But like, I thought it was a really interesting thing that they didn't just delete that content, or like you said, put up this giant wall. They were just like, nope, yeah. we can hard code. Fuck you. It was just like, that's your exploit. We're patching that away. Cool. And yeah. I and like, either it was really lazy or really prescient, but the upshot was. Those friends of mine who were interested in exploring played that game for another few years, trying to find <laughs> other places they shouldn't be, and realizing that they <laughs> needed to be a different level or have different skills, and like were like switching jobs and like different characters to try and figure out how do I trick my way through things. And it was great, like I, like it shows, especially in like a living open world, like how many dynamic things are involved, and so they're exploitable but also that's why they're interesting worlds mm-hmm. anyway yeah absolutely good uh, let's almost finish there Dave Sean uh, have either of you got any final thoughts you want to give us uh, on making it at home or, or anything else in general on the processes that you've been through on what's coming next Uh, I'll jump in with what's coming next because that seems like the easy one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we are looking at like our roadmap for early access. If you're interested, you can see more details on that for the Steam Store page on making it home. But our broad kind of philosophy for early access is to be releasing a patch a month. Mm. Um, mainly, like, would there be like if there are you know emergency patch fixes, we'll do those obviously. But mainly, we want to make sure that content comes in a meaningful grouping so that players don't feel like um like it's being too drip fed but at the same time like there's not massive gaps between um and then having loads of stuff dumped on them at once 
Um, so that's uh, for anybody who's keeping track. That'll be three new panels, for instance, um, spread across Act One and Two, um, with the occasional sweet teaser of an Act Three panel. Um, I know, I know. Hold on to your hats. Mm-hmm. It's going to get weird in Act Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. Nice. <laughs> I knew it. Yes. Uh, so yeah like that um, and then there will obviously be like the kind of quality of life stuff and uh, fixes that we've talked about um, here already but and um, yeah and other objectives and challenge mode change up so the things that are slated for the first uh, kind of patch and then you know as, as I said once once a month kind of with the same and I think we're we're really excited to bring new panels mm-hmm. to the game. I, it was something we were doing right up until the launch of Early Access anyway. Um, but that's the thing, like we're talking about emergent systems mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things and synergies. Those are the things that really excite us, I think, mm-hmm. especially as designers. And we can't wait to have people get to grips with the different mm-hmm. panels. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess kind of final thoughts from me, like making games is really hard um, <laughs> and um, so we really appreciate all the support that we're getting from all of you here um, we love coming onto this podcast so thanks so much um, no, no problem. I really enjoy you. it every time um, yeah. particularly during this weird pandemic yeah. like I stopped shielding yesterday and went to a Tesco's for the first time in six months Ooh. so like Ooh. yeah um, you- which we- what would you get mm-hmm. at the Tesco's what was like the, the number one <laughs> I had I to go get, to get a, a prescription yeah, I went to I went to get a prescription and I was like I saw the croissants and I was like I could probably go get a croissant. And then I saw how many people were around and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> And I went home. Um, oh, no. So we ordered croissants from Sainsbury's, so we're getting croissants tomorrow morning in our Sainsbury's order. So all nice. is all is not lost. Yeah. But um I think that's it, is like like we really appreciate all the support we're getting. It's it's like like Dave said, like I Every so often, like I guess, like releasing a thing and finish, like because we not we didn't finish a thing, but we released a thing, and that is right. kind of like a release because mm. it's quite. It was an intense day, like to release that, or in, in, and coming up to launch, like even as much as we try not to, I wouldn't say we crunched, but it, like it felt like. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it felt like we were pushing to get that, and even though it was all like our own deadlines, and we all decided, you know, we decided this and. It just is, and and you I mean, know, deadlines it just still is have a crunch element. Like, it, it, yeah, you, 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 by and, its very nature, and yeah. we had a horrible thing. Like, I like there was a bug that I found. Like a streamer, the worst thing happened where a streamer found a bug. Like before, and luckily it was an incredibly nice streamer who emailed me rather than just streaming and using it as a way of complaining about a game. Right, Wait, so, so it wasn't like, a ladybug. Uh, Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it doesn't <laughs> so, work. So like, you call them ladybirds yeah, here, but <laughs> well, we 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 kind of no, we, we, we run on that. We we, yeah. we 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 kind of like yeah with pillbug we 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 ask for that. Um, so yeah, it was hard. Like it, it, I'm kind of doing that when it comes up to release, and and like today, I mean, I I think like today, looking, I was looking at we had another Steam review today, so I was looking and someone has played the game 60 hours Jesus wow like someone else has played 50 hours like what (laughs) what are these people doing (laughs) yeah but it's like and and that's incredible and and like really really nice and um, yeah that's why I like that's like I I still feel like we're very lucky to have such a good community even if it's a small community like that really support us and like I just it blows my mind that people want us to keep doing this 
and yeah. and that's like super powerful. So that's my final thought. Is kind of a melancholy kind of wow. I don't think it's melancholy. It sounds yeah, really a thank you. Like yeah, yeah. It's like hey, mm-hmm. thank you for supporting us, and and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a lovely place for us to finish this week. We will dive into our drinks. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Dave, as you opened us up. Uh, out yep. of the two that you have, do you have a preference? Yeah, I th- which is unfair, but yes, I do. I it's, definitely it's not unfair. The, it's it's, it's, it's not a personal unfair? preference. Okay. It's always fair. Yeah, it's always fair. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'll use if, that. If, if you think uh, otherwise, then you don't understand that <laughs> preferences are always subjective. We've got we've got lots of we've got lots of supplementary episodes to come out. Yeah, Currently, yeah. Lucy and Sean <laughs> are going to be doing an episode <laughs> all about mechanics in games and jumping. Yeah. Jumping, Dave. Dave, you and I, I need to get a whiteboard. All about yeah. uh, player agency and storytelling at some point. Mm-hmm. And now Adol and Dave has got their own episode all about preferences. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yes. yeah, but yeah, the next are going to be busy. Yeah. yeah what yeah, is yeah. what uh, is the thing you were going to say? Well, uh, what I would have said to be to before even opening the cans right like i really have enjoyed the 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 hazy raspberry sour um and uh the pale ale you know i just don't think it's quite for me um it was too sharp uh it was too much going on um under the under the hood um so i will you know i'm and you asked me about like am i you know, is, am I reaching for it a lot? I'm sure you are keeping track of how many sips I've taken, but <laughs> basically it's still, still there, right? Yeah. Like, so it, it couldn't have been driving. And it's a very hot, you know, I'm yeah. in a hot attic. Mm. So, uh, like, if I'd have felt that, I think I would have been, you know, going at it pretty hard. But no, it's very, like, I can still taste it as I'm saying it. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a really nice so uh vibe to it so are you a sour convert then this was your first sour definitely so yeah i mean this this particular sour is my one and only sour so <laughs> I mean, far in life <laughs> yeah and i've enjoyed it enough to buy it multiple times yeah and branch out to other sours so i suppose as a you know a convert right uh as long as the rest of them then don't disappoint I mean, they will. Me? I mean, nothing can be perfect yeah. all of the time. Like your first love I is mean, always the well, strongest. So, so I, I grew up, I was raised Muslim, right? Um, uh, and I was a, be, became an atheist fairly young age. Uh, but I still stuck to the, like, no pork, no pig product thing because that's just habituation, right? And then I was mm-hmm. in 2005, I was traveling through Eastern and Central Europe where boy is it hard to get a balanced meal without eating some pig um (laughs) so i was in Tallinn, the capital of estonia and i was in the like old school medieval city and i was just like like i I need to eat and so i was like fuck it it's been two years since i knew like since i just told everyone i knew don't i don't believe in anything and yet i still don't eat pig products this is dumb Mm -hmm. so i'm in this pub it's a medieval style pub and they are roasting to wow. a wild boar oh. on a spit <laughs> on, with medieval recipe like this is the way we've been doing it for hundreds of years and I'm like I'm gonna have me one of those it smells divine <laughs> and yeah, I had it and it was the best meat experience of my life yes I know what that sounds like fuck you but yes um, it was Div- succulent and divine. The problem therein is I have had a lot of pigs since then. 
boy, is none of it, none of it is caught up. People are like, so you finally got, like, you can have bacon. You could have it on the regular. Do you like it? It's like, well, I mean, since then I've become a vegetarian. But also, it's like, no, bacon's all right. There's nothing like fucking medieval-style wild boar, though. Okay, in one fell swoop, I became a pig eater, but also became the most spoiled palate man <laughs> with respect to pig. So it's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, they're people like, this is the best thing I've ever had, pig-wise. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. So yeah. you can definitely jump straight into the deep end. Yeah. And then ruin everything is all I'm saying. You have to you have to report back, Dave, on your um what was it? You have a blood orange blood orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tweet it. Yeah, yeah, please do. Uh nice. Uh Sean, (laughs) out of the two different old fashions you had, do you have a preference? It's really hard. Like they're they're kind of different things for different times. Mm. Um but like Oh, it, it, I guess the immediate answer is the flapjack old fashioned as being like a really nice example of what in my head I like from a cocktail is that it's a, like this evolving flavor profile like as you drink it and it evolves and you can I'm still thinking about it I can still taste it and I'm still thinking oh, about all those different excellent. notes that I, I, I kind of like I know me and Dave when, when we went to the, 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 the party for the after party thing we went to and we went to what's it called? Dead Canary. Afterwards, Dead Canary, yeah. and I had um, uh, a, basically a peanut butter, peanut old fashioned, peanut butter old fashioned. Well, it's not peanut butter, but it. And like I remember that cocktail, I drank that, and I spent the next two, three or four months thinking about it until I recreated <laughs> it at home. And it's that kind of drink where like you're thinking, how does that work? Why does that work? And yeah, I like that. Yeah, so that one. It makes me think more. But then an old-fashioned, just like an old-fashioned, is so good. Like It's just that kind of, the end of the day, all you're thinking about is that. End of a hard work day, you just want to make this an old-fashioned and nice. everything will be better. I, I, nice. I'm actually so, upset because um, Appleton, when I drink it, it makes my left arm go stiff. What? I don't understand why. And oh, it's no. like, I'm not drinking this anymore because... Mm. I, I mean, don't that's know if it's related I, to my heart or anything. <laughs> it's the only spirit that has ever done that, and it's weird. <laughs> You'll have to try out different. You could move to Chairman's Reserve or something. Uh, you know, another Jamaican or, or <laughs> yeah. solution rum or a Barbadian just, rum or something just, uh, instead. Rare nephews, but since it's the dr- <laughs> drink to have before you die, yeah. you know, like yeah. If I'm dying, I'll I'll I'll, I'll have that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'm in a position where I know that I'm going to die and can have a drink before I well, go. Yes, so. mm. yes. Um, Here's hoping. Uh, Adol, we'll we'll come to you <laughs> on a lighter note. Yeah. Um, which beer did you prefer? Uh, which which if you're going to die, Adol, which one? Oh, that's a totally different thing. So if I'm going to die, <laughs> it's going to be this one. Surprising no one. The Trappist Rock Four Number Eight. But actually, I think this week I want to recommend, if you can find it, the mm-hmm. Windswept Swept Brewing, uh, the Wolf of Glimmerai, Murray? Murray. Um, limited run, uh, whiskey cask aged um, beer. Uh, there, it's actually, it's not that far off of being as good. Like, I mean... And I say that's that with reverence. Um, like that's mm-hmm. a big thing because this has been one of my favorite beers for 
over 10 years. Like, when I started getting into craft beers in Calgary, it was like, oh, this is amazing. I moved in 2010 to Amsterdam for grad school, and turns out when you're in the Netherlands and Belgium's around the corner, you can get this real cheap. And I was like, well, this is amazing and affordable. And I had that on the regular, and it's just one of my no longer staple beers because it's not as cheap. But, like, this... This Winspec Brewing is a different thing. It's doing, like I said, it was doing a different thing. It's definitely leaning into that whiskey, sort of oaky, vanilla-y flavoring um, and that aged sense of ale where you you want to feel the strength. While I think the the reason why I like the Rock 4.8 is because it's strong. It has these really forward flavors, but it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm having a 9% beer. But actually, what makes the Windscript interesting is that it's sort of leaning into that. It's like, this is whiskey barrel day beer. You're going to feel it, and it's going to be interesting. And it's like I said, it's less viscous, um, but more alcoholy. And, and those two things normally I wouldn't be super keen on. But I actually feel like this tastes like a whiskey beer, and that's interesting. And if that's what you're looking for, seek it out. This is a great beer. Um, in general... I like a beer that isn't that like so the the Rock Four Eight is just a good beer to have in all multiple occasions because it's more rounded. Mm. Um, but if you're looking for this type of thing, the Windswept thing is going to do it better. So nice, both are great. But I'm going to recommend the Windswept because it's a limited run and you can't get it all the time. Mm. <laughs> get this, go get it. Can. You can't. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Um, for me, it's quite an easy one. Uh, the um, the Electric Bear did a couple of things, but it was sort of a bit of a weak beer, mm. unfortunately. Uh, I didn't get a huge amount from it. Whereas the Utopian, whilst they only got that kind of one block of flavour, which did last, it was just done very, very well. It presented all of its flavours. It was very rich. It was really easy. It was a lovely flavour. Uh, that I kept going back to because I wanted to. Unlike the Electric Bear, which kind of dried out so much that I'm just reaching for it. I think, mm, I need a little bit more, I want a little bit more. Refresh the palate, see what else is going on. The Utopian, I could have had three or four of these easily whilst we've kind of been, been sat here this evening. Um, so it's a very, very uh, easy pick for me. And I think it's the second Utopian... Um, beer that I've had and I can't remember whether the which was the Rainbok I had a couple of weeks ago yeah, uh, which right. again was just a really well made beer um, I've kind of not stayed away from Utopian but I haven't picked them up when I've seen them because it's just been lager right? without any adjuncts or anything else attached to it I'm like mm, not in the mood for that won't kind of reach for it but I think uh, um uh, the next time I see kind of their standard core lagers, I'll reach for it to see what they're doing right. differently, to see how well it's made. Definitely now, um, so they are one to um, to look out for when you are at the bottle shop. Uh, so it's a very easy one for me this week. So that is it from us, uh, Dave and Sean. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Where can people find you, and where can they find Making It Home? Yeah. Sean, <laughs> um, you can find. I Making said it the home. thank you. I'm on Steam and Itch.io. 
Um, so just uh -huh. search for it, or you can go to pillbug.zone, which is our website, um, and find everything you'd ever want to know about us there. Good. What about? Um, is it just is it Pillbug Interactive on Twitch as well for your Tuesday streams? Uh, so Pillbug Int on Twitch um, and Pillbug Int on Twitter. Nice. And we yeah we stream Good. every Tuesday. Perfect, Lucy. If people want to recommend point-and-click adventure games to you, how do they do that? Uh, at Juicy Loose Nine, pretty much anywhere. Good. I mean, you don't have to because you've played all of them. Um, <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Start a dialogue. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Adol, if people want to chat to you about, I'm trying to think of something interesting, but I've completely got. But I'm I'm so boring. If people want to chat to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. Thanks, about thanks, whiskey, ben. bourbon, yeah, barrel-aged beers. <laughs> Uh, you can reach or me at the their Omni. favorite pork products. Oh man! <laughs> now, now you're inviting a thing. Uh, I'm at the Omniarch on all of the things except Twitch, where I'm T H E underscore O M N I A R C H. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, you can just reach us all at TankedUpCast on at gmail dot com, TankedUpCast on Twitter, and TankedUpCast on Instagram. Uh, yes. And of course, this our Twitch is Out of Lives Network, where we stream along with the rest of the team. I've conveniently forgotten to let you, Ben, say where the people can reach you specifically if they didn't want to. So why don't you tell us about that? I'm too busy. I don't want people talking. All right, about right. <laughs> don't contact Ben at Nova underscore forty seven on basically the things. Um, yeah. Uh, we're, yeah, so we do this every Tuesday normally at 8, and we also have Monday, Tuesday noon streams, uh, and if you're seeing us on YouTube, like, like, subscribe, whatever, but also review us on your podcatcher of choice, that really helps, because, uh, we've hit a plateau where we just need people to remind the algorithms that we exist, and people like us. Yeah, absolutely, and if you've got five minutes, go to outoflives.net to look at other articles, uh, that our other contributors um, put together. That's it from us this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Dave and Sean, for joining us as well. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Anna, for joining me. Thank you, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye. www.outoflives.net